everyone, it's Wednesday. Welcome back to Recall Knowledge Presents Outlaws of Alkenstar, a show where yeah. Pathfinder enthusiasts finish your favorite adventure paths. I'm your GM, Steve, and I'm joined by Ricardo, Richard, Nina, and Tommy. Go ahead, everyone, and say howdy, Outlaws. Howdy! Outlaws! Richard, I couldn't hear you, but I just look at you just leaned forward and had like a violent movement. you screaming or whispering. It was one of the two. I've been drinking a lot of this super coffee, all right? Oh, God. regular coffee? I'm confused. Everyone who's joining us for the first time, I'm not sure why, but welcome. Everyone that's been with us before, welcome back or happy with us again here on the finale of Outlaws of Alkenstar, The Smoking Gun, the campaign we started just over a year and a half ago or so, I think. Well before Easter of 2022, I know that much. Yeah, so it's been going on a while. So we've been trying to get through this last book and essentially real life and scheduling conflicts have been kicking our ass. And so we haven't missed a week. (laughs) We haven't missed a week, wink. But we wanted to make sure that when we could get everyone together, we hit the fast forward on the fast forward. So essentially what we're going to do is fast forward to the final fight of the book. We're going to have our showdown tonight. And by the end of tonight's episode, the campaign will be over one way or another. And it's up to the players and the dice to see how it ends. So I am very excited and worried for you guys, but also, you know, just in awe that we, we made it here when we started the show oh so long ago so i'm super excited now because we're because we're short on time with so much to do we're not going to do our regularly scheduled molten hosting sponsor bit where we give a little dramatic yeah, yeah and the cast was reading what we had planned and i think it's probably better it never sees the light of day maybe the patreons can see it just copy paste it for the patreons mm-hmm. yeah maya in chat says it's a shame you, yeah you guys will be in for a treat i can copy paste and share it with the patrons uh on our patreon that'll that'll be our gift our parting gift to you i suppose but just because we're not doing a molten hosting sponsor bit doesn't mean they're not the sponsors of the show so huge shout out to our sponsor for the night Molten hosting. Molten hosting. Always. They're not cold. Molten hosting does provide cloud hosting for your Foundry VTT instance. So if you want to have your players connect, you don't want to have to worry about them connecting to your computer, opening firewall, worrying about bandwidth. Host it in the cloud. You'll be up and running within minutes. It's super easy to do. All kinds of awesome features, including automated backups. Uh, FTP and web data, web dev access to your file so you can just drag and drop things just like it was your local computer. Hit start on the server, you're ready to go. Give them a look and definitely use that referral code recall knowledge. One word, one word. Also, last time we're gonna say that for this campaign, for this campaign, yeah, with that one word. You guys are going to get get uh, an entire 30-day trial for free on the show and on Molten Hosting. They've partnered with us for that. So normally you get like a seven-day trial. You get a whole month of service, whatever tier you decide to go for. And once you use it, you won't go back. It is absolutely amazing. So thank you. Thank you, Molten Hosting, for being with us the entire campaign. And if they have any feedback options, make sure you want to uh, you want to see the return of the Molten Cowboy. So. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I was just going to say, I'm sure Mike is so happy that we aren't doing some like cringe content to promote his stuff. 
Probably. He Again. finally re yeah, he finally replaced our video on the front page with our meth addicted uh, service. <laughs> oh, no. I was on the front page for like two years. Uh, oh he's my got a new, goodness. He's got a new video on there. So it, it was nice while it lasted. What's that? No, it's not. It it's somebody else made a cool video that kind of showcases the service oh. in a more business friendly <laughs> way. Our ad talking about meth wasn't good enough. Bullshit. Get the script. We're going. Tusk Love. <laughs> Called out. Yep. So you heard it, Mike. We want our video back on the front page. At least at least you can put it like on the bottom of the front page, right? It's hidden somewhere where we still have the accolades, <laughs> but you don't have to deal with the feedback. Besides that, we're going to jump right into the action tonight. We're basically going to get started with a little uh, vignette. We're going to start some combat and we're going to hopefully roll some crits, hopefully from your side to the other. Now, it is our last show. If you guys have been saving up those channel points, it is a good time to cash them in. We got some plot armor. Do we have them all enabled? Yes, we do. Hero points are enabled. Plot armors are enabled. If you want to give your favorite character a little help to get him through this episode, maybe stave off a crit. Now is your time to cash in those coins. Otherwise. Shit. Otherwise, Rick, why don't you go ahead and start up that dance party for us? Celebrate. Man, this feels weird. I know it doesn't feel right without the cringe. Somebody but say something enough. cringed right now. Go. No one? Cringe. Uh, I know, God that's what it. I was thinking. You didn't even cringe. do your shit dad joke beforehand, oh, Richard. There will be plenty of cringe when I attempt in super air quotes to do an Angelique Loveless accent on the fly that I did not rehearse at all. I don't have enough coffee for this. Steve, paint me like one of your French girls. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I am totally going to for that one. He deserves it. All right, let's go. Um, we're going to jump into episode. So viewers, you can go ahead and sit back and relax. But players, let's jump into episode three, the finale of Outlaws of Alkenstar, The Smoking Gun, written by Cole Cronwitter. Let's run the cinematic and then let's get into the action. Uh, where's the cinematic?
The sound of dripping water fills our ears as the scene fades in from black. We see a flooded temple, its ceiling opened to the night sky above. A large orange hunter's moon hangs ominously over the temple, giving the scene an eerie glow. Footsteps slosh through the waters as a river hag waddles toward the center of the chamber, hunched over. She shambles up onto the altar in the center of the room and casts off her tattered coat into the water. We can see now her large stomach. She squats down, muttering ancient primal incantations that echo off the walls of the empty chamber. And then a plop. A small child with large elven ears falls down onto the altar. The hag, pleased with herself, scoops up the baby and holds her by the feet upside down, admiring her work. With a slap on the bottom, the baby gurgles up some phlegm and begins crying. Tearing into the umbilical cord with her teeth, the hag pulls the baby closer to inspect her face. The grin of her sharp teeth, filled with gooey bits of cord and rotting fish, fills our screen. And then the face of the baby fills our view. No longer crying, but eyeing the hag curiously. One eye is gunmetal gray, the other a piercing amber. And as we pull back a bit, we see our scene has shifted. The baby, placed in a basket, has been left on the porch of a temple. We see the door open and a middle-aged man dressed in beautiful clothes stares down at the baby. As he crouches down and looks, we can see... He knows her origins. He stares at this child of the hag, his arch enemy, and draws his dagger. But something steadies his hand. The baby, giggling, reaches out for it playfully. And with no further hesitation, he picks up the basket, brings the baby inside, and closes the door. We flash forward a few years, Angelique now in her teenage years, at the small temple with her father, a holy man, a paladin by many terms in the world, works to train her in the ways of honor, service, humility, compassion. We see her diligently listen to his words, nodding along, but as she slips away to her room, checking to see if her father is watching she slides a box out from under her bed. As it opens, we see various small animals, frogs, lizards, butterflies, all pinned there, still moving, if just barely, as she smiles. She reaches for the small dagger and begins to cut open the frog, gleefully torturing the creatures as she studies its insides. Another cut. Angelique looks to be nearly 20 years old. Another argument with her father. Why couldn't he just understand? No, the thief caught for the third time doesn't deserve a second chance or fourth chance. Why was he so blind to the truth? And there, waiting in her room, was her mother. 
The hag grins, her yellowing teeth still rotting with the fish. And she told Angelique the truth. That she was a changeling. Destined for so much more. It's time for her to come home. All she has to do is what she already wants to. Kill her father. The scared girl recoils at this, refusing. She grabs her hidden knife and advances onto the hag, but is easily dispatched, her wooden staff sending her unconscious to the floor. In the doorway, the paladin appears, his glistening holy avenger in hand. As the two engage, we see it through Angelique's eyes, fading to black slowly as she slips away into unconsciousness. When she awakes... Her father is dead, slain by her mother. We see an older Loveless now, less smiles on her face. She's swinging the holy sword in rage, avenging her father, killing her mother. Not for the greater good, as she had been taught, not to protect others, but purely for one reason. Vengeance. The hag's head comes off clean, her mouth stuck in a now permanent grin, just as planned. Lost without purpose, Angelique wandered the wasteland, her father's blade in one hand, her mother's staff in the other. Upon lucky chance, she was found by a patrol who saved her life. When she awoke, she found herself in an unfamiliar place the newly formed city of Alkenstar. The man who saved her, Ansel Alkenstar, admired her blade and invited her to help him do something good in this world, create a new home here, outside the rule of Nex, away from the armies of Geb, free from their wars, a chance to start over, create something beautiful, and as he hands her back her blade, she hears her father's voice, remembering all the lessons he gave her. She agrees. And for a hundred years, she served faithfully as a shield marshal. She protected the budding civilization from threats, mutant raids, would-be thieves, people who preyed on the weakness of others. They must be stopped. She promised her father she would honor his death with making her life worth something. And as Alkenstar partnered with the dwarfs to secure defenses, she worked with their master smiths to reforge her parents' weapons. Her mother's staff becomes a long gun she keeps at her side, imbued with the magical wood bursting with primal energy. Her father's holy blade became a small silver pistol tucked into her waistband piece of him always with her and over those hundred years she did a good job brutal yes but efficient but as time wore on those intrusive thoughts remained she started spending more time in the wastelands away from the city less time with the people whenever she was forced to interact with them she grew annoyed at their weakness the tough, self-sufficient city she had helped grown had turned into a mockery of itself. How could they sit here and drink their ice wine, grow fat in their high-rises, 
worry about making coin, relying on the clockworks for defense? Did they not know the threats out there that she has seen? The darkness that could swallow this city at a moment's notice. She alone had to be the one to protect them. They couldn't see it yet, but they would. They would all see it when she demonstrated the dangers of this world. Better it happens under her guidance than somebody who actually wanted to see Alkenstar destroyed. Yes. Yes, that's it. She would put together an attack on the city, working with patsies from Nex and Geb, a reminder of the enemies beyond the border. She would blow up their precious cargo, explode half of Castle Alkenstar. That would get their attention. Laws would be passed. Power would be given back to the shield marshals. Laws could be enacted. Citizens would be required to serve, to see the dangers firsthand, to dirty their hands, break some bones, and earn this precious life they take for granted. Yes, of course. They will understand in time why I must blow up the city so we can rebuild stronger reforge stronger rise out of the tragedy into something better the camera sits on Angelique Levis's face the riverboat trods down the Estradi River her amber eye staring back out over the scene the cackling of a hag can be heard quietly constantly clouding her judgment these days we hear a voice trying to get her attention Loveless, the gruff voice says. They're here. They just disabled the elephant. <laughs> Is that so, Gimthrak? Hmm, very well. These outlaws have been a thorn in my side for long enough. Ibrium, activate the contingency plan. I'll deal with them. Grabbing her long gun, she strides back out of the control room. And as she steps back, steps out onto the open air deck, flanked by Ginthrak to one side and a pair of dwarven shield marshals on the other, her long hair catches in the wind. The sounds of spurs jingling in the middle of an otherwise empty deck. The passengers deep down below in the belly of the ship sleeping. Empty gaming tables filled the deck, the last few holdouts running for cover as the glass elephant was destroyed. And as she leans over the railing, looking down on the entertainment deck, she sees them. These pesky, insignificant outlaws. Well then, long time no see, Halbrandt. Last time I let you live. Mm, do not think I will make the same mistake again. Believe me, Loveless, there's no love lost between us. Looking at the scene, right? You guys are on this open deck um, on the top side of the ship. She's kind of on this like balcony high with like two large staircases that rise. It's the highest level where the captain's quarters is. So you guys are kind of one deck down looking up at her. There's a shattered, busted glass elephant with a pyronite bomb in the middle that you guys have defused recently. But this giant shards of glass still provides like a little bit of cover. And you can kind of see her face distorted through the broken glass. And she's standing there and Saruk, your eyes go up and possibly Refugil too, because you guys recognize the large 
buff orc man at her side, covered in tattoos up his neck. This is Ginthrak himself again. Right. Uh, I think we need to hear Loveless tell her own story in her own words. <laughs> right? I want to hear her perspective from her own voice. Right? No, no, definitely not. You did hear it in her own voice. It was her thought. She doesn't have an accent in her brain. <laughs> her internal monologue. Just her internal like monologue. Yeah. <laughs> Ruffy just uh, glances over at Saruk and sees how he's doing. He sees him press a button on his back and out comes the big fuck off cannon. And I, I don't yeah. think Saruk has words. Along with the plot armor that he got in chat. Yeah, <laughs> chat has just redeemed a plot armor for Saruk. So Hollowed RPG Thanks, has chat. given Tommy... Refi grins almost more of a snarl, showing his fangs, looks back up in Grimthak and just hand hovering over his pistol. So as we jump way ahead on to the, the last thing, I feel free to tell me no, but huh? unsure of timeline and how things are going on in the, the nebulous state of a couple of clockwork boys that I might have reprogrammed uh, to listen to the words of me oh. instead of the words of them. Uh, can I summon them? Couldn't they have been here? Did we have a lot of time to set this up? You mean you definitely had time to set this up? Give me my minions. I'm trying to remember. Do you remember how many we were? I know we reprogrammed at least one and you had him like it was doing the door. Two. There were two that were answering to me instead of answering to whoever had. Uh, let, me, let me go pull them out of the cargo hold. Somebody's going to listen to this back. No, it was a different number, but. If it's a lot of extra work, you don't want to dig them up. Like, by all means, don't do it. And I'll just, I got these guns and that's all I need. But <gasps> it's my other guns. And those beautiful, shiny tusks. God damn it. <laughs> don't spoil the Patreon content. Don't spoil the sweat. <laughs> I just got to change the alliance on them real quick so that they they are now um, allies. Well, if you thought your Baldur's Gate 3 romances were good. No, it's the Outlaws of Alkenstar romances. Those are the good ones. Mm. Okay. So you got the two clockworks flanking you. Uh, you guys should all be rested, fully healed. If you have any damage on you, make sure you mark it off. I see Ruffy's got a little bit of damage. I don't want you going into this, like, chipped up from this random non-existent thing. May I also perhaps have a crumb of my Celestial Jaguar friend? So we can't see anything over here, right? Because that's... I think you should be able to see it, but no, anything that's like farther back is definitely not like these guys in the back are not envisioned, but like anyone like right on the railing, you can definitely see. So you can see Loveless and Gimthrek here on the railing. Okay. You, it's about like the staircase is about eight to ten feet. So if you go to this wall, you still would have to climb up to get over the railing. But the staircases also offer a walkway straight up there. Right under them is like a doorway that like leads into like some of the rooms of the ship as well, but you guys are on the open air deck portion of it. So as as this sort of like scene unfolds, the like Anita, like there's a lot of like drama with them and seeing a lot of a lot of old allies and enemies coming up. But you start to notice a strange vibration that you're in tune with because this whole ship is loud, shaking. But you start noticing something a little strange that you pick up on before anyone else, and I think. It's, it's a weird feeling. Like you actually feel like the hair on the back of your neck start to like raise a little bit. And there's like the static electricity of the air sort of grows big. And as you kind of glance over the side of the ship, you just see like this like flashing green 
like flash like strobe light that starts flickering off the side of the ship. Uh behind Loveless and Gimther? No, off the side. So like down down the like the north and south side of the ship. Oh shit. Is that his first thought is, <laughs> oh, shit? Yes, she'll initially say, like, oh, shit, and then look uh, around to her companions and say, um, some, there's a contingency plan and we have to do something about it. Step one. And then I start pointing back at close up. Anyone has any sort of, like, primal lore or otherwise wants to potentially make a an arcana check here? Hang on. There. Could also be occultism. I've had so it what is how how does it bomb lore bomb lore good? Probably not. I think we prepped bomb lore for this day, right? Yeah, yeah, I did. I Are you allowed to change a, it midday? Because no, so you would have no, had time. No. I have a feat. Hang on. Just kidding, I retrained the feet. Heck. I missed cognitive crossover. Fuck fuck. Yeah, I Zurich has no context. Is I'm it starting to run? Right. Would it be weird if like Zurich was standing like here as opposed to like behind? I, I can't imagine him being anything other than get in front of friends when guns are about to go off. I mean, you can reposition yourself. This section here where the elephant is, I left the elephant here. The elephant's broken and it's currently toppled over, and there's shards of glass everywhere. So you can kind of lean up against the elephant as cover. If you want to like take cover behind the elephant, but standing on the elephant itself will basically be like kind of uneven ground. If you wanted to go on that square. No, what it'll be, will be that time Rafi was in the bar, except not a bull. (laughs) But if you want to reposition, if you want to reposition yourself, feel free to reposition yourself where you think your characters would be at the start of this scene. Tight. Probably something like that. Nope. (laughs) Gets behind nearest chair. (laughs) Anyone? I don't know. Do we have anyone actually trained in Arcana or occultism? Not me. I have academia lore. Would it? Would it be in a book? Uh, you know what? I'll allow an academia lore here. Yeah, it's tied to something that would probably be taught at Blither. I am trained in in Arcana. I lied. Uh, blind shim. I forgot I was an investigator. So I'm trained in fucking everything. Yeah, that makes sense. Question marks it is. All right. Hello, sir. Oh, there you go. Do you have any feats related to uh, recall knowledge checks, Saruk? Like dubious knowledge? No, I fumbled, didn't I? Heck, Question uh, marks. I am just reading. <laughs> Hang on. So Anita gave me an acrobatics check for some reason. I don't know what that was for, but I'll take the roll. It's fine. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, here, here, here. So Anita, you're unable to come up with any logical explanation of what you're seeing, these green arcs mm-hmm. or anything, unlike anything you've ever seen, especially in this region of Alcanstar. Your mind immediately goes to like magic of some sort, but mm-hmm. your knowledge and studies of magic is so limited that it could be anything and you're not mm-hmm. sure. Uh, Saruk, you immediately recognize these green ripples as the entire ship is about to be sucked into a portal and probably dropped oh. into another dimension. I, I don't think Saruk waits. I think, oh no, bad things are happening and we're just gonna start making lead fly. Yeah, and in that case, um, as everyone goes for their, like, weapons for the, you know, possibly last time, 
And everyone go ahead and roll me initiative. Woo! Oh, yeah. I'm going to say this one out loud instead of putting it in the Discord. Friendly reminder, kids, stay within 15 feet of your champion. <laughs> Ooh, 32. Oh, 21. Terrible. You want to switch? I rolled a three. Jesus, <laughs> guys. <laughs> yes. I love how both of the people who I have leads on are just standing right in front of me. All leads led to here, right? <laughs> Meta. So Angelique Loveless somehow rolled a natural one. She was too busy thinking about the hag in her past. These these <laughs> bonuses don't include your. Does this include your all your bonuses you're getting for link scouting and stuff? Oh right, I did not the scout anything. <laughs> so I'm a so let's see. It wouldn't make a difference. I'd still be at the bottom. Al has a battlefield surveyor surveyor so i get a plus two no matter what got it that 35 already that 35 included your plus two Mm -hmm. that would put me to if if we have the scouting bonus that would put me to 34 Mm -hmm. yeah i don't think it would change the ordering of this though because they have 35 so we'll I went from a 24 to a 26. I'm just, I'm going to print this feed. I didn't think Pilgrim's Dogen was ever going to come up, so I win ties. Got it, got it. So, yeah, so Saruka 24 bumped up to 26, and that breaks the tie with the existing 26 from Gimthrak. All right. Ruffy's still sad that we broke the elephant. <laughs> <laughs> just staring down. Damn it! I didn't get to ride it! This is why we can't have nice things. It's because of me. Smash well, cut to Revy is just punching a glass elephant to death. Also, Steve, would you mind uh, Clockwork 1 and Clockwork 2, who I do not have control over? That's true. I have to get them and have initiatives. All right, we'll just run them like that. All right, Hal Brent, you are first to go. I think Hal is going to... Oh, before... One last thing I gotta do before I forget, we got a tw- we got the the plot armor for Saruk. All right, Twitch bonus activated. Sorry, go ahead. Huh? Going up the stairs, difficult terrain. Correct. Yeah, every square going up the stairs is difficult terrain. So that's gonna take me to forty, and I should be able to get here to this guy, right? Yeah, you got plenty of movement speed, right? Yeah, I got. I can go 40 40 um if i dash dash but i have a feed that lets me go dash dash strike right doesn't look like i can do either one so i think i'm going to just strike twice and then strike this first person i come upon with a snagging strike perfect let me make the strike that is a 33 that is a hit for 27 damage nice and I have a fearsome rune on my kopesh I'm not really sure what that does I think if you crit it adds like a frightened they have to make a frightened save but you have to double check what the what fearsome rune actually is 
when you critically hit. Yep. Frightened one. So, yeah, there's no save. If you critically hit, they come frightened one. So, it's not a crit, so it didn't apply. Perfect. Uh, that's my turn. All right. Up next. So, the guy that you um, hit gets his turn. So, he's got his, like, Giselle out, and you come rushing up so fast. Interesting. So, he will... Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna bring his or he's gonna use his first action, which is called Lawbringer, and he's gonna mark you for judgment. So you are now his like target, Hal. So he gets a plus ten circumstance bonus towards striding towards you. He also does an extra two d eight precision damage when he hits you with the strike. Then he's going to basically bring the Giselle at like a point blank range, and he's going to attempt to uh, blast you with it. Now, this is a ranged attack in range. Does that trigger? Is that for your opportunity strike? They, you know what? It's it's still opportunity strike for this campaign, but they're changing the name of it to something else. Don't remember what it is. Attack of circumstance. Something like that. Okay, making a ranged attack. Uh, so, yeah, he pulls up his gun to blast you at point blank range, which does trigger your opportunity attack if you'd like to take it, Hal. Good thing it's not going against Anita, who now has plot armor, thanks to Mechamaya. Ooh, Ooh Mechamaya gives Maya. Anita plot armor. <laughs> Anita and I have to live, otherwise this party goes to chaos. I'm 25 a is a hit. Nobody can hear me. 21 damage. And because I have a new feat called uh, for today that is called Disorienting Opening, that creature is now flat-footed until the start of my next turn, regardless. Okay, he was already snagged anyways, right? Okay, so that is good to know, though. Okay, so he brings up his Giselle, and he makes his strike against you, Hell. Uh, that's a 30. Mm-hmm. That's a hit, not a crit. So 14 points of concussive damage. And then with his last... He doesn't have... He doesn't have... He should have an unarmed strike, and he doesn't have one. So I'm just gonna roll it like with this. But for his last thing, he uses Maybe he doesn't uh, have arms. Just looks down, <laughs> has no hands. He's using reloading strike. So he's gonna make a strike against you with his melee bonus, which is here, uh, which is thing. which is miss, but it does allow him to reload his weapon as he does so. And that's his turn. All right, Anita. All right, so what Anita would do is yell at Loveless and say, Oi, Loveless, did you really think we'd let you come pyronite all over Alkenstar with this dildo? Um, what the then, fuck? Yeah. <laughs> and then, what's his name? Wybert is going to run. I'm going to command Wybert using two actions, so that would give him three. And then with his 40 feet of movement, he's going to use two actions to go right here. You can't go up that wall, right? That is a wall. Oh, it's a wall, my bad. So the stairs? Yeah, you, you'll probably use the stairs unless he wants to take a climb action and climb the wall. Um, and the stairs, you know, each square of going up the stairs is difficult terrain as well. And the tables and chairs as well, yeah? Not worrying about those so much. I think they've been scattered quite a bit already. Okay. Is the elephant in the room like shattered? 
in the sense that it's just glass. So there are big chunks of it still that you can use for cover, but going across any of those squares, those nine squares in the middle, is basically like stepping on um, like broken glass. Wybert, I don't think I'm too worried about Wybert. He's just gonna like, he's not gonna like get cut by it, but like you have the potential to take damage from moving across it. Okay, well, I would just like to get Wybert right here. 70 feet, I wouldn't have enough because huh? it's 10 feet per square on the stairs. Yeah, so it'd be 10 extra so you could move. Is the speed is what, 35? Oh, sp- yeah. So if, it, if your speed is 80, then you can go up to 70, including the score. So you could get there, yeah. Okay, perfect. So that's what we'll do. Bop, bop, bop. Okay, and since my innovation is now a breakthrough, I can do like a 10-foot emanation. So, oh, fudge. Maybe right here. Actually, no, that's fine. Just five feet then. And then I use two actions to give Wybert three. So I would still have one action. Correct. Uh, that I would use to explode. Okay. Uh, that, so that's 8d6 of fire damage. So Wybert just runs up and then is, is basically a ticking time bomb that you explode next to, to level this. This is my unstable check to see if my baby's going to be smoking the whole time. Mm-hmm. Would that be a critical fail? Oh, 17. DC 17. Uh, that is a critical fail. Oops, I just clicked that. I didn't mean to click that. I think unstable checks can critically fail, right? Yeah, because it says on a critical fail, like, um, he also takes damage. Yeah, so he'll take 10 fire damage. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, so that's 8d6 of fire damage. And are you doing a 10-foot emanation from him like this? Yeah. So does that hit Gimthrak? It does not. That's fine. I'll, ta- I'll, I'll take Loveless and this little dwarf. So 8d6, right? 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, yeah. So that's a total of 28 points of fire damage. Do you know what the DC for the save is? The explosion deals level damage with a DC zero basic reflex to all creatures in a five foot emanation. The D- the zero is definitely not correct. Then say. That's why I'm wondering what the actual DC is. Or class DC question mark. And I need to add another D6. Because it starts off with 2d6. So I would have 96. Okay. And your class DC is 29. So I'm going to use the DC as 29. So they both succeed. So they'll take half damage. Wait, wait, wait. wait. This is the new one. Because I use d8. Okay. Oh, nice. 31 plus one more. Six. So 37 points of fire damage to Loveless and the wolf, the minion. They both succeed, so they both take 18. Okay, and then Wybert still has one more action, so he would do a Wybert smash on this fella right here. Okay. Wybert smash. Ah. Roll. Mm, for a 24. 24 will miss. Okay, uh, that's it for our turn. All right, the other shield marshal gets their turn. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess he will do the same thing. So he designates Wybert as his Lawbringer target. Targets Wybert. Does Wybert have opportunity attack? No. My baby. Okay, that's a 36, which is a hit, but not a crit. Oh, thank God. And Wybert takes 21 points of concussive damage. Okay. Then follows it up with a reloading strike, which misses. Should have a minus on that even, uh, but he does reload his weapon. Okay. All right. Clang goes the man's knuckles as he punches just a solid steel robot. So this is where things get interesting. The energy that's been building up around the side of the ship as you guys do this, it finally comes to fruition. And what happens is I'm trying to find where the passage explains it like the camera cuts back a little bit we see on the side of the ship there are lots of these runes embedded all over the side of the ship that are glowing green and they've been charging energy from the Ostradi river like this whole riverboat excursion and there's all these like advanced magical contraptions in the ship but essentially it's been leeching primal magic from the river this entire riverboat cruise and it, they're they're beginning to pulse and Ibrium, the mage who's in the other s- side in the control room um, has like replaced his skin with like jagged sharp glass and when he sees his control panel lit up and he looks around he pulls the switch and immediately you guys watch his green strands and yellow and blue and all these colors of lightning energy wrap around the ship and immediately the whole ship goes weightless and Saruk, you're being sucked into another dimension just like you knew was going to happen. Well, but you all get a sinking feeling in your in your stomach. Anybody who's ever ridden a roller coaster, you'd recognize what we call negative G-force. But for all the poor souls on the board of the ship, all the hundreds of passengers down below, oh. the ship instantly teleports itself. It does not, in fact, Saruk, take you to another dimension. It does, however appear right in the center of Alkenstar. So the scene has changed. You should now see uh, the, the the waterfall beneath you. The ship lands a few, like maybe like five, ten feet above the river and falls down with a thud, crashing, sending everyone like stumbling to hold their, their balance. And the ship crashes and like splinters. And you see it's now teetering half and half right on the edge of Alkenstar Falls. You look over the ship to the right, you see Alkenstar Castle poised there within blast radius. To the left, you see Hellside, its rickety wooden features down below you. If this thing goes off, it's going to go off in the heart of Alkenstar, in the place you guys call home. And you've instantly been teleported here to Alkenstar Falls. From now on, this sort of ship rocking on this like teetering edge of the thing is going to cause some battlefield complications at the start of your turn you're going to have to fight against the tilt of the ship so these creatures go first which are your clockwork creatures and they're going to try to make a fortitude save against the rocking of the ship 25 is a failure they stumble they stumble 10 feet forward at the start of their turn acrobatics would have nothing to do with this 
It's a save, so it's either fortitude or reflex save, depending on if you want to steady yourself or if you want to like try to like ride it. Right, it's your choice. And this creature is now flat-footed until the start of the next round. Okay, but it does get to go though. It will just charge forward into combat. Ruffy looks at the castle and shoots the Pyre Knight. No. I mean, that's not true. That's true. There is some Pyre Knight in the middle of the, the elephant. I feel like we would have done something about that because, the, okay, we got it. Let's just leave the bomb here in the middle of the firefight. I think not. You definitely disabled the like remote trigger that, that Loveless has done. It's in Wybert's butt. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> Stop making it weird. Just put it in the robot's butt. So he just uses all his actions to charge up there. Uh, Saruk, it is your turn. Alrighty, so I assume at the top of the turn is when you want to save. That is true, so you can make a fortitude or a reflex save, your choice. Kijok and I are going to both make fort saves about it. Yeah. Yike. 21 for Saruk and a 29 for Kijok. So Saruk, you stumble 10 feet this way and are flat-footed until the start of next round. Kijok does not. Tight. Okay, so then before I go any farther, if I'm metagaming, you can th- throw something due east and it'll get here eventually. Is Angelique actually flat-footed? Does she, like, is there some kind of, like, visual cue to indicate? Uh, that's a good point. She is not. I don't know how she got marked flat-footed. Tight. Can throw goodness. Uh, as my first action, say it with me, kids. One last time, except I'm also going to do this next round, so just kidding. Untap up, keep. The virus is strategy. Stratagem! Hey, you didn't use None. Uh, uh, twenty-eight. I hate that. Uh, yeah. Fuck it. Would a twenty-eight hit? Or rather, just, just kidding. It wouldn't be a twenty-eight. It would be must math in public. Hate. No, okay, never mind. The ballista has none runes in it. It is a flat-out twenty-eight. Yeah. Uh, twenty-eight does indeed hit. Okay, okay. So from here until the end of the campaign, all of my attacks are non-lethal. I. I guess the fiction of this is like I don't actually spear somebody with a ballista bolt. It's just like it's going in such a way that they are dodging and like wearing themselves out as like the bolts are careening down the like the waterfall. Saruk has very little to say and is just roaring. You put a a giant boxing glove on the end of the bolt. Go, go, gadget boxing glove. All right. No, I'm not the inventor. Okay, so show me big number. Yeah, 18 points of non-lethal piercing damage. All right, 18 points of damage. Second action, let's interact to draw the barricade buster. Good Daka. And then I guess for my last action... So do the stairs look steep enough that if, like, oh no, ship is turning and then I'm pushed into them, will I be pushed up them? Or is it, like, like a V-shape that I'm going to land in the middle of? I think you would be pushed up them, but, like, as difficult terrain enough for me okay so let's uh, i don't remember what my speed is let's move forward 15 25 that will be my turn okay uh pick someone to be flat-footed richard you beautiful beautiful <laughs> man uh, uh Weird. it's I'm not jealous at all. No. Uh, so it's like as it goes sailing, it knocks Gimthrak back a bit such that like there's obviously Hal can look over and see there's an opening. Uh, Gimthrak is flat footed to Halbrand's next strike. 
Okay, by our powers combined, we have a head full of a lot of hair. <laughs> like Anthrax actually does fail his saving throw, so he does stumble backwards as well. He got like a three on his dice or something like that, so he's flat-footed to everyone <laughs> as well. Here's an interesting question. Is is this, like, considerably taller than the rest of the ship? I assume it is. Yeah, so this is like a separate structure. It's basically an entire building. It's like, you know, eight, ten feet tall. There's a door in the center of it. You can go into it. There are rooms and such in there. And like there's there's tons of windows here, but all the windows are currently like shuttered closed with like metal. So like this square might be, oh no, you fall down the waterfall. This square is not. Yeah, that's definitely true. Even if you went here, you're probably bouncing off the, the wood. It'd be very mean of me to make you bounce off into the ocean, but you never know if for some reason you the next turn, maybe you the boat shifts in a different direction. You might be falling north, south, east, west. It's not necessarily going to be the same direction every turn. Mm-hmm. Well, Gimthrak has this feature and I'm not seeing it, but it's been a few weeks since I. OK, so Gimthrak spots his old buddy. So he basically is able to rush to here with 30 feet of movement and kind of like looks down and you look up Saruk and he's already bigger than you anyways. And now he's at the top of the staircase smiling at you. And he's like, you know, tiny, you could have just gone to jail. Now I got to kill you. We'll have words in Matakali spins the barrel. <laughs> uh, he has to take a second stride because the the stumble back actually put him just out of stride range on you, which is really good for you. And then he's going to basically bring his like light hammer and just swing it down on you. Twenty six is a miss. Sir grazes the barrel of his gun and just knocks it aside. Yeah, geez. Okay, not a good turn for Gimthrak. All right. I think Loveless starts by looking at the like the clockwork creature that's come up on her and oh, she needs to make her save, doesn't she? She looks at the clockwork creature, then falls immediate. Ah, damn it. A 43 on her reflex saving throw. So she's not affected by the ship at all. She's not flat footed. She will basically take the back of her stock and she's going to make a melee strike against the creature and hit it with the stock of her. 35 is a hit. Yes. So she deals. Nina, you're real happy the bad guys are hitting. (laughs) 10 points of damage to the Clockwork Buccaneer, which I guess it's actually got 10 physical resistance. So it deals. It actually takes no damage. Oh, sorry. I thought it was all Wybert. (laughs) (laughs) It's even worse. I have Clockwork Babies now, too. Sorry. So she's doing something secretly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or is anybody in the party in like perception range? Or I don't know if that's pointed to. The only one that's close enough to see it is Wybert. And I don't think he's. Wybert, tell us what's going on. Unless she's secretly killing dogs. I don't know if Wybert cares. How can you make. Actually, it would be his house uh, perception DC. So no, Hal does not notice what's going on either. Then she she takes a little step back this way. God, she's going to blow us up. A little step across the deck. She brings her weapon up and she actually targets Hal. No. 
and she takes her second shot with her hex blaster. Well, that's uh, 26, which is a miss. And uh, all the enemies have been unsuccessful at everything they tried to do, essentially. <laughs> Amazing. Other clockwork buccaneer. 25 feet. Actually, he has to make a save. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's fine. One stride, two stride. And instead of getting into melee range, he's going to bring his blaster up and use a arm gun against Angelique. Uh, but that's a natural one. I cannot roll good today at all. You're supposed to roll natural 20s when you're on our team, Steve. Yeah, geez, Steve, come on. If I give you a hero point right now, will you reroll for the clockwork? You like that name, Hex Blaster, Tommy? That's fucking tight as shit. Yeah. Hell it's yeah. like one force from her hag mother's staff. Refi makes a reflex save. 28. All right, you stumble 10 feet this way and are flat footed until your next turn. All right, and then I'll use into the fray. Move 25 feet this way for free. At the same time, uh, Refi is running. He takes off his jacket, rips off his vest as well, and then he pulls his pistol for free action as well with into the fray. And for one action, he will shoot Loveless. Bring it on. And at the beginning of Refuel's turn, he feels much more protective as he also gets plot armor. Much more protective as he strips before the big bed. Yeah. By revealing his chest, he has plot armor. 39. 39 is a hit, but not a crit. What's it on the dice? A 16? Well. 14 points of damage. All right. 14 points of damage. And this is probably a terrible use of action economy, but I want to do it because it's the final fight. Um, you see Refi close his eyes and flashbacks of him getting taunted as a youth for being whatever they're calling the new ancestry for tieflings. <laughs> but um, mm -hmm. he's, he just close his eyes and finally accept who he is and out from his back births force uh, some wings, batlight wings. You know what, Richard? I agree. Averting your gaze in this fight with your last action is a horrible use of your action economy. What are you doing? <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to use uh, Fiendish Wings for two actions. Ooh. So this is the first time we've seen this, right? This campaign. Mm -hmm. Are you your your wings have sprouted? Correct. Yes, that's the end. So I I I ran. And I shot. Flown yet? No, no, no. I, I'm not flying. I'm on the ground. Wings have sprouted. And, uh, yeah, they're kind of almost like like gunpowder black and smoke gray with the membranes, and they're dripping blood still because they're so new. Ooh. I like the image. Were we the last one in initiative? Well, we're back at the top of round two. Hal, can you make a fortitude or reflex saving throw? Fortitude save. Oh, yeah, you're fine. Critical success. You're good. I will make in a snagging strike against this creature. The dwarf, since I'm right here. Oh, boy. Critical hit. That's a critical hit. Uh, oh, that was like so low. No. One, one, three. 
So that is a critical hit. They will take the damage. Then they are flat-footed because of the critical hit specialization. And they are now frightened one because of your fearsome rune. I will make an exacting strike at map. Okay. Here is my map minus five. Uh, still a hit. 21 damage. And let me do uh, shit. Who whoever attacks three times? Fighters. Probably me. <laughs> Make a uh, another another strike. Whoops. I said another strike. It is feared. It's flat footed. I mean, it seems like a good chance to possibly hit. Oh, oh my natural God. twenty. Let's go! It's only regular damage, right? That's doubled. Oh, yeah, yeah, you didn't do the... Yeah, so that he's definitely dead then. That's my turn. Ooh, yeah, tri- yeah. You know, anyone says don't Great attack turn. three times, wasn't playing a fighter. Hmm. Words of wisdom. Steve, from call knowledge. <laughs> Anita. All right, so I'm going to use one action to lock on to this uh, shield marshal. And then give Wybert two so that he has three. So he has a mama bonus of plus three to his attacks. So first one. Just kill the dwarf. Put a sword against his head. In my robot explode, now he's dead. Let's go. (laughs) Very Chrysler. Fuck. I'm gonna use the hero point just because. Actually, before we do this as well, I need you and Wybert to make your saves. Oh, okay. Wybert, fortitude, twenty-seven. So Wybert stumbles ten feet and is flat-footed. And then Anita. Anita rolls thirty-seven. Anita's fine. Okay. So, okay. Can I use a hero point? Yes, you can. Let's use a hero point on Wybert. Mary Chrysler! Chrysler, you better fucking pay up. So 29 is a hit. So that hits for 20 everything damage. Yep, takes it all. I'm sorry, my throat is crazy right now. Uh, second action, he's also gonna attack with a map. Um, The mama bonus. Yeah, okay. For 27. Hits. Okay. He deals 27 everything damage. Looking pretty hurt. Alright, Wybert. This is this is it. You know, this is where you critically hit someone with your third map attack. He's just copying Halbrand. Who yeah. put this dog here? Come on, you got this. I believe in you. Oh, 17's a miss. It was actually not a dog. Still a good turn. Still a good turn. All right. So this guy has to make his save. So he does his reflex save. 29. So he succeeds. So he's not flat footed. He doesn't move. I like how none of us are within 15 feet of our paladin. That's fine. <laughs> you guys can just fucking die. Cirque's like, stay close, and we're like, scatter! 
We've established that all of you were terrible listeners over the course of a year and a half. You know who wasn't? Right. That one guy from the Cradle of Quartz who I saved because he fucking listened. Uh, strides back here. Coward. Yeah, he's moving away from Wybert. Uh, he's going to use his Lawbreaker ability and he's going to set it on Hal. And then with his third and final accent, he's going to shoot Hal. And that's a two on the dice, and I don't know why he tried, because he's terrible at life. Oof. That guy okay? Does he need a hug? Jesus. I just rolled so bad all night, it's great for you guys. So the ship that's teetering, like, off the edge of the boat immediately begins to, like, rock back the other way now as the waves sort of shift, and it, like, kind of settles and splinters and kind of tumbles back a bit. So now everyone's making the saves again, but you're fall- you're going to be falling to the right ten for this round if you fail. So this clockwork creature is forced to make his save. He's going to use reflex save. 29 good, so he's not actually at all. So he basically strides up, pulls out his scimitar, targets Angelique, and actually nice. hits good for 15 damage and he will do his uh map attack which is a miss let me just check angelique real quick no she's good saruk can you please make your save either fortitude or reflex so here's kijak that was terrifying and here is saruk Succeeds. You hold strong. You're not flat footed. Okay. First things first, we're going to have a group device strat. This is going directly at Game Threat. Tight. Okay. So then I rolled a very bad number. What did I? You rolled it with Keyjock instead of yourself. So it's 13 on the dice plus, like, I think you got like a 14 bonus or 15 bonus plus or 21. 18 bonus. So it'd be. So I'm just going to. Like a 34. I'm going to use this calculator that's sitting right in front of me. Okay, so thinking, 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 thinking. It's still difficult to rain on the stairs. We aren't flat-footed. Difficult going up, but not down necessarily. Right. So I think what I'm going to do... Oh, my God. I'm going to, for my first action, I'm going to stride like such. That may theoretically provoke a reaction, question mark. It would. He does take one, but it might not be the one you think. He uses a feat called Not So Fast, and as you basically stride up, he's able to match your strides. Ooh, spicy. Okay, that complicates things. Now I have to do math on my turn, Steven. Damn it. (laughs) Uh, So, okay, that that can still work. I. This is going to be the weirdest question in the world. This is a straight line. We agree? Yeah. Okay. Action the second. I'm going to stride again. And I'm going to go over here. Can he move if uh, Saruka is moving towards him versus away from him? It's a good question because he was. Was he moving away from Gimthrak? Mm, that's a fair question. You you kind of stayed in. You didn't really get farther from him in any individual step. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't think he can use his reaction on that. So you can go back and take your action back. Well, Hal, thanks for rules learning for me. Okay. Uh, Pay attention, kids. I'm good at that. 
You are. Okay, so then my... That was one action. I'm going to... This is the weirdest turn, but I think I need to set up. Yeah. Okay, so... I think a 34 probably would hit, but probably wouldn't crit. Probably. So then the second and third action are going to go to Kijak, who is going to use Beast's Charge. This is a straight line. So not only does the ethereal jaguar come running up, like, ghost through the chair and then, like, pounce into a flank, because this is a straight line, they get a plus one circumstance about it. So here come the claw. Or actually, probably the... I don't remember my damage dice. They are the same thing. Okay, so just get around and try to, like, pounce on his neck. It's, uh, come on. 28. Uh, 28 is a hit. Nice. And for 10 points of slashing damage. So that was one, two, three. Okay, that's my turn. Anthrax has to make his save. Let's see if he rolls better than a than a really terrible roll. Nope, he gets a three again. So he stumbles again. Is Kijak actually has no is is Kijak incorporeal can like Oh no 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 he's definitely like a physical thing. I was just flavor texting. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think he can actually stumble through Kijak, but he will be flat footed at least because he failed his save. So he gets pretty angry. His first action is gonna basically be to like demoralize you. So he looks at you and he's like, You never beat me as a kid. You ain't gonna beat me now. Um, so he will demoralize and try to make an intimidation check against you, against your will DC. He gets a 36, which is a critical success. I feel like I have a reaction. No, just kidding. Never mind. Hockey dokie, I am frightened too. Frightened too. So there's like a flashback, and you just remember the last time he, in the in the you know the friendly sparring, but he always took it a little too far. Reason he just kept yelling, snap into a slim gym. <laughs> this time, uh, instead of using his hammer, he comes in with his own tusk and makes a, a an orc tusk strike on you and rolls a four on his dice and misses. Are they going to cross tusks? <laughs> You're supposed to be scary. No, he is. Don't worry. I just we're both going to be attacking each other with our mouths. His, his map attack is a five on the dice and he misses again. So Ginthrak hasn't made a single roll above five this game. Loveless. Attacking with your mouths is definitely not kissing. No, it's not. Don't get jealous. We have it in the epilogue. Loveless needs to make her strike or sorry, her save. 30 is enough. She does not fail. She kind of looks your way, Hal. And she. Oh, sorry, they have the same thing. So it's called a Lawbringer's Pursuit, but hers is different. I don't know if that's correct. Uh, so she reloads her gun and then she makes a demoralize onto you, Hal, as she starts basically taunting you at your. Um... Actually, I think I rolled. I rolled using your stats instead of hers. Sounds uh, like a critical failure to me. <laughs> Uh, well, she rolled a three, so yes, it is a failure, but only by one because she rolled a three. God dang it. Okay. And then she she gives, like, it doesn't work. You steal yourself against her equips. She will sort of move back down the stairs to here. 
she gives you a wink as she does so and she brings her blaster that she reloaded towards you but she actually targets the buccaneer and she uses a hex blaster and that's a critical hit so you watch so here's the thing she hits a critical hit earlier last turn when she did the thing you couldn't see after she hit the, th- the creature with the butt of her gun and dealt no damage she sneakily with her other hand slid a small pyronite charge right in the undercarriage of this thing and as she winks at you Hal, and comes back she points the gun she sends the bullet through the pyronite charge critically hitting the creature and detonating the charge so first i'm going to deal the critical damage to the creature Seventy points of damage takes sixty. Is it mindless? It can't be affected by the fear effect. It does need to make a fortitude save or be stunned. Does not, so it is stunned one. And then the pyronite charge explodes in a ten foot radius around the creature, hitting it and Hal. So I need you guys to make reflex saving throws. Ooh, crit for Hal. Uh, both succeeded, actually. No, actually, the creature failed. Sorry, it got a 33, which is a failure. So it's going to take 18 more fire damage. Hal, you see it coming, and you are able to, like, definitely just back out of the way just enough that the blast just skims you and, like, maybe singes just the bit of your, your whiskers. But no, like no blast damage at all. Like you're maybe a little smell of burnt fur. But yeah, you did not take the most of the damage. You're too predictable, Angelique. Let me hear you say, I love you like you used to. <laughs> wow. Lord drop. Uh, reflex save for this creature. It fails, so it falls 10 feet towards Loveless. And then it does its thing. It just pulls out. It targets Angelique with its scimitar. 13 is a hit. Angelique takes 18 points of damage. Oh, it's going to hit again. Nice. I love it when a plan comes together. 18 points of damage. Last strike is a critical miss. And that's the creature's turn. Uh, That brings us to Ruffy. Right. Reflex save. All right. 28. 28 is a failure, so you do stumble 10 feet back. Just 10. And you stay flat-footed. Tell you'd like to fly, and then you don't have to worry about it anymore. And I have to keep flying, or else I fall. Uh, Do I want to get crazy? Yes. You know the answer. Why are you asking? Yes. You wanted to hear us say it. Oh, yeah, sure. There's your validation. Get crazy. Running reload. And then I would like to grapple Angelique. I see someone's been playing Baldur's Gate. (laughs) Okay. So this is a straight up grapple. Yeah, I don't think I've ever grappled anyone in this game. All right. You make an athletics check against her fortitude DC. All right. That's what we call a natural 20. So uh, 36 is a success, which is then bumped up into a critical success. Angelique is completely restrained by you. 
and actually can't move unless you move or she uses an escape action. Oh, so I can't drag her? Not so easily. There's not a lot of like moving creatures around the battlefield stuff. That's what I would have done then. Damn. Quick, retrain into a wrestler. I would say, you know, just just at a ballpark, right? Let's look at what you're carrying in your weight. You are carrying four. Your max encumbered bulk is nine. So you got quite a bit of of a uh, weight like in there. She in total, it doesn't really tell me how much weight she's carrying. She's not wearing a ton. She is wearing a pretty hefty breastplate. Plus, she is a medium sized creature. So it would you're not really strong enough to easily move her around anyways. All right. That would change what I would have done then. Because I was just planning to fly off with her. Now, see, this is what happens when you get crazy. You should have known better. Come on. Can I use that natural 20 for something else then? You can't retroactively give you the natural 20 for a different action. I know. So. What a waste. So let's say this. If you're grabbing her and you'd like to fly, you're going to be flying using the flight rules. You're flying presumably straight up. It would require so there are rules for flying under like heavy conditions. I can just see where this is going and I, I can't let you pick up and carry people around flying. If you are tough and big and strong, maybe, but you are not strong enough to do what you're trying to do. Fair enough. I mean I do have an eighteen strength. But <laughs> that is true. You do have an eighteen strength. You're not scrawny. I'm just looking at your like carried encumbrance bulk versus her, like her doing it. Like there are bulk rules for like creatures, right? Like medium creatures alone are six bulk. That's fine. Um, then I will change my action and negate that natural 20 if possible. I will. I will. I will let you use basically. I will let you try to, to do it. I will treat you as encumbered. So you are, you know, you're carrying all of her weight, so you're encumbered, which what reduces your movement speed. It's too complicated. We don't have to do it. You got a natural 20. So we'll mark you as encumbered. And does that reduce your movement speed? I'm guessing you have a 10 foot penalty to your speeds, your your um, clumsy one. But then if you'd like to fly, you could definitely try to fly look up the rules there's um are we actually over the falls so i was gonna fly over <laughs> yeah you definitely are over the falls that's why i figure you're trying to do i wish i knew the ability off the top of my head but there are there's basically there's a flight type skill that allows you to basically make it's like a tough roll right i will allow you to do an athletics check against her Order to DC, and if you succeed, you can move up to half your reduced speed and carry her out over the falls. Fair enough. Let's try it. Just gonna roll another natural 20. I don't know why I. One shot. One opportunity. <laughs> Make your abuser feel the pain that they made you feel. Did you capture it? Well, it looks like 34. You 34 is exactly what you needed. Ooh! So half my speed. So your speed right now is 15 feet. So you could carry her basically with one move. It's like one square because it's halved, right? 
So you can take her seven and a half feet. So basically you move out and I'll drag her along with you. Where are you going? Trying to move as close to the falls as possible. Yeah, right here, like the boat is like literally right now. So each each action you take, I will allow you one like five feet of movement. So from here, that was one movement. That's that was your second action. So if you wanted to try to move her more, you can make another fortitude or another athletics check. All right. 32 is not quite enough, but since you had a little bit of movement left over, I'll let you get that one extra square since we're kind of rounding here. All right. Then that's all my turn. That's all three actions. You're flying her out over the falls and her, she, her eyes are, have gone wide because she realizes like the gravity of like what's about to happen. That was the best point. As I'm walking up to her, I, <laughs> as I run up to her, I said, you know what, Angelique? I feel like I've become a new man. Let bygones be bygones. Let's just hug it out. And I lunge towards her and grab her and lift off over the boat. Very Harry Potter. <laughs> Lord Voldemort. Yeah, and you all watch as Ruffy just lifts Angelique up and f- starts sailing out over the edge of the falls, like struggling to not like to be able to move. All right, that's the top of the next round. Uh, Hal, make your save. Fortitude save. You're good. Six. And I look over towards Reficule as he's carrying her out over the edge. I'll just stride. Don't fall for him too, Loveless. <laughs> I want to do Scout's Charge against this creature. Scout's Charge is two actions. I can stride faint using stealth and then make a strike against that creature. So I will okay. faint using stealth. Just weaving, dipping, diving all over this battlefield. 37. Yeah, that's definitely a success. Yeah, success. And then I'll make a strike against this creature. And he becomes flat-footed, right? Yeah. 37 damage, or excuse me, 37 hit for... No, 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 that's a crit, actually. Whoa! For 46 damage. 46 damage and frightened because of the fearsome rune, right? Mm-hmm. And his critical specialization effect also makes him flat-footed until next turn. And then I think I would just make a... Nobody ever makes a map attack. Definitely making a map attack. I think. Yeah, I just make another strike. He's going to be flatwood for a while. John, whoops. Wrong one. Map. Go. That is a. Oh, oh, oh. 32. Jeez. Uh, 32 is a crit. Thanks to the frightened condition from your fearsome rune. Uh, yeah, he's dead. That, that fearsome rune was the difference between the crit and the not crit, which is the difference between him dying and that. All right, that's my turn. Ricardo really did say, I'm tired of this not playing in 48 days. Let's finish this. Crit, 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 crit. <laughs> crit. Meanwhile, I can't roll above a five. <laughs> Good. Good. Dice, the dice tell the story that they want to tell. Anita. All right. So first action, uh, Anita is going to go on overdrive. Here's my crafting check. Boom, 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 24. I'm gonna use a. No, never mind. I'm not. I won't. <laughs> and then I'll use. Uh... <laughs> so Tommy Tommy just gave me a, uh, the GM a hero point. <laughs> I just feel bad. <laughs> and then. That's awesome. Cool. Let's see. 
I'm gonna give Wybert one action so that he has to... Oh, sorry, my fortitude save. Our fortitude oh, save. Oh, good, good call, yeah. Okay, uh, first one for Wybert. That would be uh, 38. Wybert's good. And then for Anita, that would be... Uh, 21. All right, so you stumble back and then become flat-footed. All right, so uh, I used one action for overdrive. Um, can I use another action to go on overdrive to try and do overdrive again, or do I have to? Is there any trait on it that says it's like once per turn or anything? I don't think so. No. Critical success. Oh, sorry. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, it just says oh, frequency once, once per, per round. round. Yeah. yeah. Never mind. All right, so <clears throat> I'm going to use one more action to tell Wybert to lock on to Gimthrak. So, and then my last action to give him the command action so he would have two. So his first action would be to... Oh, no. If he's right here next to Saruk, he can still get to... Uh, he can still hit Gimthrak, yeah? Yeah, if he gets there, he can hit. Yeah. Right here? Can he hit... You're asking if, if Wyber can hit Gimthrak from there? Yeah, from here, yeah. Yeah, he can. Okay, cool. All right. Lock on, so he got that mommy bonus. Hey, Wybert smash. We've come a long way from Daddy Saruk, I see. <laughs> come on. A uh, twenty-eight. Oh, it says you're targeting the other guy, actually, not not Gimthrak. But a twenty-eight still hits. Oh, sweet. So that would be. Uh, 24 points of everything damage. Alright, Gimthrak takes it. Alright, and that is it for our turn. This clockwork creature here, he has to make his reflex save. Fails. He actually stumbles, like, kind of over the balcony and lands down here and falls prone on the ground. And then for his turn, he only has two actions because he's stunned. So his first action is to stand up from prone. And then like kind of shake his head a little bit. I think his third action would be to probably just focus on the same person he's been focused on. He's going to take a arm gun strike at Angelique restrained by. Oh, my God, it's a critical hit. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I love my clockwork babies. See, you're rolling oh fine, Steve. Oh, my 54 points of damage on Angelique, and then she has to make a fortitude save or be stunned. <laughs> she just barely makes it, by the way. Okay. Saruk. Okie dokie. So, uh, so we ticked over round 30. Is anything pointing at anything different? Yeah, so the ship just kind of, like, shifts back, and we're falling towards the front of the ship, ship again. Okay, so then does Kijak have to roll in the first place question mark well i guess he could be flat-footed he, yeah he can do the flat-footed but he won't shift his his got it so kijax is a uh, really bad and saruks is a uh, probably worse both flat-footed hockey dokey but you yeah you would actually stumble so saruk would stumble 10 feet back towards the front of the ship right okay so and GM brain really did fire on vehicle. Now I can't select him because there's another token there. Okay, device stratagems going at Gimdak again. We like a 36. 
Okay, so this is gonna... Three actions amongst two dudes is weird. That's what she said. Uh, <laughs> I suppose action the first. Now that we're, we're pushed back just a hair, I think Saruk is going to lower his gun. I'm just looking at... So all told, it would be I'm frightened to... The device doesn't see, or the device, the macro, doesn't see the rune in the barricade buster, so it should be just a flat 36 to hit. 36 is a crit. Let it rock. Let it rock. The damage is non-lethal. Okay. It's a lot of damage. He takes it. I think it's just like there is a the barricade buster starts spinning and firing. I've been playing a lot of Deep Rock Galactic lately, so that's all I hear in my head. <laughs> and I guess second action is going to be stride back into the flank. And then as like bullets are, I guess, just tearing up the stairs and certainly not anybody who's on decks below who the bullets might just friendly fire. It's turned off in this campaign. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Uh, yep. my, I guess my third really? action is she's fine. You you don't have object permanence. Don't worry about it. Uh, I'm gonna bite. Reading all the things should be correct. Come on, come on. No, it's with a cat. Don't make it weird. Twenty seven to hit <laughs> for so Kijak's damage has to be lethal. Fourteen more points of slashing damage. That was one, two, three in my turn. Don't mind them. They're just fighting with their mouths. Yeah, don't it, it god damn it weirdo uh, oh wait actually you know what Richard talking and saying a bunch of dumb bullshit reminded me that other brain cell of mine that remembers that I have shared strategy I designate Halbert your next stack against this man's they are fly footed to it talking shit and helping me remember alright well he's gonna make his fortitude save against this falling thing can he roll above a five he can for the first time Gimthrak is not flat footed from the stumbling ship Go figure. Also, one of your frightened conditions comes off, so you're only frightened one, Saruk. So full of rage and anger, cannot believe his like he's losing this fight. <laughs> he's not supposed to. This isn't how it goes. Gimthrak, he's trained. He's bigger. He's stronger than you. How how is this possible? Well, charging into that like that um, Matanji orc ferocity, you are his sworn enemy, and he will orc test strike. And he rolls a no five, try. which is, again, a miss. Well, he's going to use his orc tux at a map. Hey, he rolled a hit. Woohoo, Just had to get some foreplay out of the way. <laughs> oh, kidding. <laughs> 36 points of damage. Oh, Ow, Jesus. Wow. So he has, he has, he has a feature called like sneak attack. So whenever he strikes a creature that has a flat footed condition, it deals precision damage, and as you are currently off balance by that, it does it does basically uh, work out to be sneak attack damage. That hurts quite a bit. Look at you adopting new terminology. Flat-footed? Never heard of it. Yeah, what is the new one? It's like off balance? Off balance, yeah. I haven't switched over to remastered yet. That's coming. Uh, and then with his third and final action, he uses Ain't Going Nowhere. He automatically grabs a target until the next turn with his free hand. So you are currently grabbed. Uh, wait, not restrained. Why does it mark you as restrained? Because you clicked the restrained button. I dragged the grabbed thing. I just automatically took the immobilized condition. Uh, Mecha Maya would like to correct you all to off guard. 
Grabbed is actually flat-footed and immobilized, so I guess so. Yeah, okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah. You got it. I mobilized and restrained with my head weird. So you are now basically... He's holding you in place, at least. So over on one side, Refuse got Angelique and flying her over the thing, and on the other side, he's grabbed you, and as he's like looking, you can just see he's, he's losing it here. Saruk, this isn't the same man you once knew. Almost like that's why I came to the plot in the first place, but all right. Yeah. All right, Angelique... So she's restrained. She's held. She's like looking down over the falls. She looks up at you and she looks down. She's like, do you think this will stop me? It does not matter if I die. The city must go on. Oh, it turned a little bad there then. Of course it was bad as your French accent. Exactly. She brings up her hex blaster. I guess she has actually. So I guess she has to reload it because she hasn't reloaded it yet. So this is um, this is her thing. She will demoralize you with a twenty-five. That's not enough to demoralize you because you got a twenty-six DC, so it doesn't work. Yeah, but that helps her to reload her gun. But since she's restrained, it's a DC five. Flat check to see if her manipulate action fails. Sucks to suck. It fails, so she's not able to reload her weapon. Actually, I read it a little wrong, but either way, she's gonna she's just gonna use action straight up to reload because she has to. Second action reloads successfully. Third action is she tries to blast you with the hex blaster. Thirty-three is not a crit; it's just a hit. Oof. 28 points of damage to Ruffy, which barely kind of scratches you here. But she's, she has this determination in her eyes. You could tell in, in any normal sane person would fear for their lives in this situation. But Angelique here over the falls, the ship in place, her plan fully in motion. She's willing to die here without a second thought. And that takes us to the clockwork creatures that just keep pounding on her with their gun. Let's do the reflex save. No. Ooh. Actually, there is something on a critical fail. They fall prone. So he stumbles back this way and falls prone. Spends his first action standing up. Second action, targeting Angelique, making a gun strike. That's a failure and a miss. Second strike is a hit. Angelique takes 16 points of damage. She's near death, but she's hanging on. All right, Ruffy, moment of truth. Uh, I believe I'm no longer flat-footed, correct? Yeah, I don't think you're flat-footed just because... Yeah, you're clumsy, but you're not flat-footed. Yes, you are correct. And you're not making saves because we're not touching the ship. All right, I'll use uh, one action to go higher. All right, make that athletics check against her fortitude. Uh, 27, uh, she struggles against you enough that you're you're not able to make any higher. So you're basically, you'd have to go a little farther. Like, this is, like, right where the falls is. But if you if she fell here, she's like... 10 feet from being swept over the falls anyways, right? So I'll 
look at Angelique and I'll say, You know, we're not that different, you and I. It's not love that binds me to this city. It's anger and hate. The difference is I've met people who've helped me get past that. I don't believe in the city, but I believe in them. So I'll give you the same chance you gave me, and I'll let her go. Okay. So you release Angelique, who immediately begins to free fall. She is going to use her reaction. She has her own set of wings. I'm going to let her use her reaction to grab an edge. That's exactly what I'm doing, yeah. Where edge is the edgy gunslinger that just dropped her. So she makes a reflex save. And I'm going to say her reflex save... It's her trying to grab you versus you, like, basically getting out of the way. So I'll make it against your acrobatics, DC, which is 28. 28 due to being clumsy, yep. Uh, is that what it is? Yeah, I just spread it off your sheet. Yeah, it's usually it would have been 29. Oh, two is a 28. So with the grabbing as you drop, she resets the last second, and she grabs your ankle, Refi, and she now is, like, holding you by the ankle hanging there and just barely like she's like weighing you down because right? you've been holding her so now you guys are both kind of stumbling she's not letting go and she's used like every last bit she has to like hold on a little longer and she just looks at you and she says I go you are coming with with me alright second action then because I'm assuming releasing her is a free action yeah I guess technically yeah alright so second action I'll shoot her in the face <laughs> she's definitely flat-footed here your gun should be reloaded i can't think of any reason why it wouldn't be uh i did a running reload to get up there in the first place yep that's right all right uh that's a hit i want to fish for the crit yes but i could potentially not hit is near death and also just I'll take the, the hit turn with the map. Yeah. 18 points of damage. All right, she takes she's still alive. Third action. You could also theoretically, right, since she's just hanging on by your foot, you could just try to basically escape from her grapple on you. Like an escape check would cause her to fall. I know you've attacked and an escape action is an attack, so it'd be at a map, but just as an option. No, my, I'm not calling it off guard. I'll call it in the next campaign. I'll use all the correct terms, but we're still playing non-remastered PF2. <laughs> uh, she <laughs> is, updated. She's flat-footed anyway, so that doesn't make a difference. How dramatic do I want to be about this? <laughs> Richard, whatever your last name is, you know the answer to that question. God damn it. Every time you say, should I get crazy, you roll a natural 20, so... Uh, I wouldn't be rolling anything. I was just wondering if I can pretty much, you know, make the wings go away and fall mm. <laughs> you're coming with me all right bet. but uh no I'll, I'll just try to kick her i'll just try to kick her off do you actually have that ability that's the question that's that's pretty cool thought what can you actually just dismiss the wings it says once manifested the rings remain for 10 minutes you have no control over dismissing it yep you can just stop flying actually in this case because if you haven't used a successful oh, yeah. move action Although you tried to move, you didn't move anywhere, but you did spend a move action to try to fly up so that you still are airborne for this turn. Oh, that's not fun. Um, yeah, I'm going to do a <laughs> follow-up strike. Hey, if you want to fall, I'll let you. Oh, no, this is supposed to be a map. Sorry. 
it's a miss anyway. Yeah, even at map, it'd be a lot more of a miss. Yeah, it's a miss. That's all three actions. Top of the next round. For this round, I'm going to say the ship has stabilized for a minute. There's actually no shifting of the, the boat. Would I still be able to grab onto Gimthrak if I moved into this corner since both Wybert and Saruf are over here? Yeah, you can. He's got Saruf grabbed and grappled right now, so you can wrap and do like a chain grab thing. And then I'm going to uh, use knockdown and then improve knockdown. So I will, it says, knockdown, two actions, melee strike if it hits, deal damage, and I can uh, attempt an athletics check to trip. But since I've improved knockdown, it automatically happens as a critical success. So make a strike against him. That is a 26. Against his five. I assume that hits. Yep, that's exactly what you need to hit. That is a 22 points of damage. And he is automatically tripped, taking another D6. Six. Another two damage. An improved knockdown. All right. He's prone, two damage, although he still has Saruk around the ankles. And that is reactions. Anita. Okay. I think, I think, I think when he goes down, it's obvious that he's about to drop. Saruk is just going to like, wherever Anita is, look up, call Wybert off. It's over. All right. Anita, is there one more bomb? Or did we disable all the bombs? Sorry. No, you're, there's still a missing bomb somewhere. Okay. Refi's over here flying with his wings. Wybert's going to stop attacking Gimthrak and these stairs go down these stairs go down into the lower part of the ship yeah okay so we've based on your you guys have cleared the entirety of the ship the only place you guys haven't searched is this cabin up behind them yeah yeah okay so in that case Anita is going to how far is this 25 25 75 so 65 would be right here yeah Anita's just gonna use all three of her actions to move okay uh and then that gives Wybert still has like I think one or two one. actions uh one you action get one, so, yeah yeah so he's gonna use that movement to back up back away from Gimthrak and head to this door right here. Okay. That's it for our turn. <sighs> that shield marshal's dead. This clockwork basically is going to try to uh, finish off Angelique. Uh, these clockworks are going to kill Angelique. It's gonna Unless be <laughs> with Saruk, did you command them to stand down or are you letting them unload on Angelique? I think Saruk is probably just straight up tunnel visioning right now. You got Gimthrak in your sight. Yep. Yeah. All right. So that is a hit for 20 points of damage. Angelique is just barely hanging on. 
You know what? For dramatic tension, I'm not going to let the random NPCs finish finish her off. It has to be. I'm going to let Refugio have his time to shine. Uh, Saruk. Hockey dokey. What rhymes with the last time in this campaign? I'm rolling devise a stratagem. Why, yes, kids. That's right. Untap, upkeep, devise a stratagem. Let's go, go, go. Okay, that is perfectly fine. Thinking, thinking, thinking. perfect. Voila! And then headbutts. So I think, I think, I think, I think. It's over! And then he like, he falls over and looks up. Strix's just gonna look down on him. You're coming home. I have a lot of debuffs on me, but if a 26 hit, 31 minus X is probably fine. Damage is still non-lethal, and I'm going to do this by punching him with my teeth. Yes. He looks pretty pathetic there, like, like holding on to your ankles as he like falls down, you know? 18 points of damage is... Like you, not enough to knock him out. He's still, he's still hanging on there, snarling. All right, let's try the. If only we had fan art. I get to work on it. Okay, so I think I'm going to. This is really awkward. Thinking, thinking, thinking. Brain, go. I'm gonna use shared stratagem now. The ally I'm going to designate is Kijak. So he's flat-footed. Well, he's flat-footed like seven ways to Sunday. What am I saying? We share a map. Just kidding. That would not make it any better. I guess. I guess. I guess. What's the least shitty map attack I have? If I ready an action to strike and I set the trigger as at the top of his turn, does it use my map currently? Ah, eh, fuck it. I'm thinking too hard. I'm gonna hit him with my face again. Yeah, just bite him. Uh, just, yeah. I'm just grabbing all the things. That's on. That's on. That is on. Okay. Ooh, a 20 is going to be a miss. Let's go ahead and hero point it. Why not? Kiaba! Do gooder! No, hero point still a miss. You know, my, my friend Steve at Recall Knowledge, he taught me, use the third attack. Oh, natural one. Steve, that's why you don't listen to Steve. Only fighters. Only fighters and robots, apparently. Only fighters and robots. Okay, that's my turn. All right. Well, Gimthrak... He looks at you and <laughs> scoffing up blood. I, I was going to designate Kijak for a shared stratagem, but it wouldn't have done anything. So I'm going to designate Hal instead. Okay. So he's like kind of spitting up blood. <laughs> you know, you know, Saruk. The best way to hurt you has always been to go after those you care about. And he kind of side glances at Anita, who's run up the stairs right next to him. He will stand up from where he is, which triggers an opportunity attack from Hal, which can use the the stratagem bonus, right? Or he's flat footed mm-hmm. against that. Yeah, I guess he's prone anyways. But would Hal know that Kijok's trying not? Or uh, excuse me, sorry. Would, would Hal know if Saruk's trying not to kill anyone? It's only been a year and a half, three books. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's this is very like get him home kind of thing. Like instead of tossing so his of- headbutt. Swing with the his kopesh, she probably strikes him with his unarmed hand. Okay, you can make your kopesh non-lethal if you wish. It just takes a minus two penalty to the strike, or you can try to knock him out. Either way, it's your oh, call. It's, it's the same, uh, same attack. I will make it non-lethal and try to hit him in the face with my opportunity. Yeah, you can make any any attack non-lethal. It's just that Saruk gets it for free because that's the feat that Saruk took. Uh, Modifier is minus two. I took feats that make my non-lethal attacks lethal. 
It's because <laughs> you're the problem. And... 32 is a hit, but not a crit. 20 points of damage. 20 points of damage, which is not enough to knock out Gimthrak. And he stands up. <sighs> turns his attention right at Anita, who's there on the staircase, and is going to use... He's going to use shove. I push Anita over the edge. All right. So, Anita, he's going to make an athletics check against your fortitude DC. Can Gimthrak actually roll higher than a five? No. Yes, fuck. 34 is a success. So, Anita, you get pushed right over the side, smashing through the, like, toppling over the edge of the wood. Now, you do have a reaction, just like Loveless. You do have a chance to grab an edge here. I'm getting the sense she's screaming. I use my snap leaf. I I have a snap leaf as a reaction as I begin to fall. You can activate it. Just know that if you activate the snap leaf, you'll still fall just slower, right? And you're still going to fall into the Algonstar Falls and be swept over the waterfall. But at least your fall will be your fall will be nice and gentle to the bottom. That's what the grappling gun is for. We've been over this. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we did have a warm up about this. Okay, we. Yeah, so if you want to activate the snap leaf, you absolutely can. Yes, sir. Yes, please. Okay. So you you get you begin to fall, you activate the snap leaf. I forgot you had it, but it's amazing that you have you bought this when you went on the airship just as an insurance policy, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Now you're on a ship that's in the air and hey, insurance policy. <laughs> that's supposed to be a boat. But it's in the air. <laughs> so you get the benefits of feather fall, which allows you you you're slow, you'll fall slower. Mm-hmm. And you have you're basically invisible. Oh, nice! Until I stop falling, whichever comes. Okay. Very cool. So you guys watch as Anita goes over the edge and immediately just goes invisible, and like even like Gimthrak is kind of like, the hell? Frodo. Steady on. <laughs> and then I guess with this third and final action, he tries to headbutt Saruk with a map. Oh my 34. God, no. He finally rolled good. If it wasn't a map, it would have been a crit. It's true. 36 points of definitely lethal damage on Saruk. Boo. All right. Angelique. So I should be, as his turn ends, because he didn't try to hold on to me, I should be both not grappled. That's a good point. He didn't have. Let's see. Let's see. I think that's true. Let me see what his feature says. Features grabbed cannot be so consideration of grab. Yeah, so since he didn't reuse an action to continue the grab, you are no longer grabbed by him. He didn't have the actions to do it. Um, I was gonna say, but I think when my turn ended, I should also like my frightened should have fallen off. That is also true. And your flat-footedness too, because there's no more rocking boat or anything. Okay, Angelique, in what is essentially her last turn on this planet. She actually, she can't. Her gun is, oh, she, she tried to, she did shoot me already. Never mind. Okay, have her let go and reload. It's fine. Imagine the drama. She's falling, shoots, kills Refi. I 
think she probably with her her gun is like not loaded. So I think she will try to do like a she's going to like melee strike you with it. She's going to use the reinforced stock. And she rolls a two. Yep, she's going to do a map. 17, so she like hits you cut underneath the chin, catches you with with that. You take nine points of bludgeoning damage. Then uh, similar to before, she's trying to plant a pyronite charge onto you, Ruffy. She has to make a thievery check against your perception DC. There's no point in hiding it since, you know, we saw it go off before. So she rolls a 33. And your perception DC is a 28. So she plants a... You do have a secret pyronite charge planted, like, just on the backside of your foot without you noticing. And then with her third and final action, she actually lets the blaster go, and it, like, slips from her hand and just falls down. Uh, No, the the plant pyronite charge is not in action. Okay. Two melee strikes, the planet charge is part of the melee strike. And she drops her hex blaster at the free action, and it, it tumbles down. And she reaches into her coat pocket, and she pulls out a smaller silver, holy infused gun firearm that she smelted her father's holy sword into. But that's just drawing; it takes her action. That's her turn. Ruffy. Yeah, let's make this fun. Uh, one action to go into wolf stance. Okay. Yeah, let's make it interesting. I'll look at her and say, you're not the only one afraid of dying. Except I've got friends that I believe in that can finish the job. And I'll uh, put my next two actions to do wolf drag. Wolf drag down the falls. Uh, so first, let me put wolf stance in. Yeah, because you're not taking a move action. You're just going to just gonna fall into the river, right? What is wolf drag? I'm not actually familiar with it. Uh, let me put wolf stance in. First, uh, wolf drag. You rip it, your enemy off their feet. Make a wolf jaw strike. Your wolf jaw gains the fatal DL D twelve trait for this strike. And if the attack Ooh. succeeds, you knock the target prone. Oh, and she won't be able to hold on there. Yeah. All right. She's sitting on just a small number of hit points. Chat, if you have a freaking hero point, now's the time. To give it to I Steve. Still have, I so still have my hero point. <laughs> he still has a hero point. Don't worry, he's fine. 31 is a hit. Yeah, I'm going to use my hero point to fish for a crit. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Let's make this more interesting. My hero. Don't roll into a one. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let the original role stand in this heroic moment. I like that you fish for the crit, but it feels wrong to penalize you in that moment. I'll still take the hero point, but we'll go with the original hit. It feels wrong to penalize you for your greed. <laughs> I would have loved All for it to right. hit. Absolutely. But I want, I don't, it doesn't feel very heroic. Oh, it's only fatal because it's not a crit, right? It just means if you crit, it does extra yeah, damage. Yeah. So that's 18 points of damage. It, she takes a nine and then she basically dies as you knock her prone. But here's here's the kicker, because Angelique has a 
last reaction, a, a last parting gift to you, Ruffycule, as you kill her, you're, you're, you're basically hitting her, you're knocking her prone. The last gasp of air comes out of her ear, or out of her breath. And she just says, actually, she doesn't say anything. She takes a parting shot. So when Angelique would die or gain the dying condition, she reloads her current world of firearm if necessary and makes a ranged strike against an enemy. A successful attack will be treated as a critical hit. Now, Refi, I need to ask because it's kind of important in this moment. Is Refi a good aligned creature? Right now, uh, he is not good aligned. He is neutral. Yeah. Okay. If she tried to use her father's weapon against a good aligned creature, there is a flat check because it might not go off. But in this case, it's definitely going off. It would have been evil <laughs> before uh, before the end of last book. Oh. Well, guess what? She of rolled course. a critical on her own. Any hit is treated as a critical. This has the fatal D10 trait on it. Let's see how much damage Ruffy takes. It's not so bad. 46 points of damage. You are... You need to make a fortitude save. You are frightened one. Actually, this one doesn't have the fearsome room. It says that. it's That's wrong. 30. 30. So you succeed. No, you fail. So you are stunned one. As Angelique... She takes her last shot. It kind of goes right at the side of your head as her eyes go cold forever and just you've knocked her prone and in slow-mo she falls towards the fall as the the pistol leaves her hand yes i believe she planted a charge on me she did she did yeah it's more dramatic if i hit the charge i i was gonna leave it as a ticking sort of time bomb but let me just read what the charge says i feel like there's something in my shoe explodes <laughs> After making a successful range charge against a teacher, she can choose you to bullet you to the charge. Yeah. So she'll detonate the challenge. So can you uh, make a reflex save against the Pyronite explosion? So you guys all hear a loud explosion of Pyronite off the side of the ship. Just to make it interesting, let me give myself a hero point. You can I use a hero point on this? I already used one this turn, no? But I can't. Uh, no, that doesn't matter. You can use another hero point. If you got points, cash them in. You know what? No. I'll save it for someone else. Uh, I'm just going to roll straight. All those times you said you wouldn't use a hero point to fix the drama, and here you go. It's not a critical failure. You did get a hero point from chat, by the way. Uh, 25 points of fire damage. Yeah, no, I'm good. I'll take it. All right, you're you're near death, but you're still alive. But at the end of the turn, or at the end of your turn, you've used all your actions or no? Yes. Uh, wolf stance is one action. Wolf drag is two actions. So without taking any sort of fly action, you immediately fall out of the air and start plummeting down into the water and splash into the into the roaring river of the Ostradi. Still conscious. Oh, you're actually you're no longer encumbered because you're not holding into leak anymore. Mm-hmm. And if I would hit any rocks or anything, I have catfall, so I'm fine. Yeah, you're good. I'm not going to compose any damage. You weren't that high up. 
But we're back on the other side. How? Gimthrak just pushed Anita over the edge of the ship. Saruk's begging you not to kill him. Oh my god, you had to say that. Begging <laughs> is a strong word. Okay, that's true. It, it was just like, you know, take him alive. What was what did you say? I don't think he said anything. Just the, the impetus of like people who have known each other for a long time and like this is why Saruk has come to Alkansar to take this guy home to face justice for everything he did. Got it. Yeah, you said something to Anita specifically when Wybert was going to kill yeah. him. That's what I remember. I asked Anita to kindly call off her dog killer before. That's right. That's what it was. <laughs> and here's the dog killer, not the dog killer, but the dog comma killer. <laughs> I think you see Hal drop his uh, kopesh, and he suddenly bursts into an albino white wolf as I shapeshift into his heritage. And I think then Hal takes two swings at this creature as he sees Anita fall over the edge and disappear. Not disappear because she went invisible, but disappear because like... Falling off a ship in the air. Right. Um, so I gotta find what the... It's shapeshift. Uh, let me see. For my heritage, uh, what is it called? Shapeshift, which gives me... I think precision and D4s on mammalia tra- uh, strikes as claws. I'm just gonna make an unarmed attack. There, and then we'll see what happens. I think uh, we never really used it before, right? Like the feet. This is not non-lethal, I assume, right? This is just straight up lethal. Yeah, roll critical damage. I think Sarah probably turns shots. No, and then I'll use my reaction on. This is not how I thought this would go on Kimthrax, so the incoming is reduced by 13. He can step if he wants to. So it's reduced by 13, you said? So, okay, so then he takes... Yeah, got it. So, uh, minus 13. He takes... 7 points of damage, he's still up. Jesus! I think he still has to make the, uh, Fortitude save, though. Hmm. Yeah, is that? I guess that's probably true, right? Yeah, I don't. You probably have that in any form. A Thirty-one, he succeeds. Gimthrak can also step if he wants to. But yeah, he'll step away from Hal. <laughs> I think Sir probably doesn't say anything further after shouting, and then like spectral jaguar interposes itself, but it's just like glaring daggers at Hal. I think Hal will use his last action to revert back to himself. Like after, like he his his bestial fury ticks over. You know, he's got a tattoo of Anita standing behind in front of a large white wolf in front of the moon. And it's like he strikes at this creature, and then he hears an echo of this voice saying "no." Right, and it kind of echoes out over time, and then he, you see him blink and then look towards Saruk, and then he'll revert back to his normal form. I feel like Saruk is probably intelligent enough. I'll just tap tap the snap leaf I'm wearing, and then wink. I think I think seeing your like sort of spectral like form your your like you know Keyjack manifests itself to protect Genthrak and like shield him back from your own ally. Genthrak is so surprised that you would do such a thing given everything that's transpired. He sees the explosion over the side, he sees Loveless die. He realizes the futility of the situation. He's not dumb. He immediately drops his weapon 
and gives himself up. And you guys can either take him into custody and or, you know, I guess it would be, you know, Saruk, your choice. Are we like out of initiative, my choice? I think so. There's no more like there's no more real threats. Right. And we've been fighting for a long time and I think we need to take a break. But assuming uh, just moment plays out, right? He drops the hammer. I'll, ne- I'll never understand you, Tiny. You don't have to, but you are going to pay for what you did. And as I'm stepping forward, I'll drop my... I don't remember the name of the gun. It's just a minigun in my head. I uh, drop the barricade buster, draw my shield, and then just like slam it across the side of his face to knock him out. For now, we have a bomb to deal with. I think the last thing we see before break, I think on the other side is... It's probably a shot from Hellside, which is basically a bunch of people looking up. The ship appeared. They're all like, what's this? What's happening? Explosions of pyronate rocking out, scaring people. There's a scene where they watch like this devil creature with a loveless over the water explodes and he falls down into the water and he's kind of carried over the falls and everyone gasps. And then there's like the last second where like he just kind of cascades out of the water and like the devil of Hellside literally has become a devil and flies out of the waterfall and immediately becomes a tale to be told for all time. This is, I think, the moment that you've cemented your legacy as the true devil. Bat. What would that look like from Refugee's point of view? Uh, yeah, so like Refugee Refi follows Angelique Love's body falling down and then gets rushed into the falls and then goes over and you see him kind of with eyes closed and there's kind of it's alternating scenes between him falling now over the falls and him falling from the fingers over a year ago just bloodied and bruised both times but this time as it flashes back to this the current time his wings unfold again and his eyes open and one bright red eye and he just flies back up towards the ship. Towards the ship. I, th- I like to think that Anita's on the other side, hitting the water and like floating, turning visible and floating along, gets out the little grappling gun that she's got attached to her wrist and like shoots it up and like kind of catches the edge of the ship and then like sort of like just yanks herself up and just like <sighs> rejoins you guys back on ship near and all of you sort of reconvene right on the edge of the ship. There's a moment of like, recognition that you guys have done it that you saved the day it's punctuated by by uh gimthrak so i knocked him unconscious with my shield yeah the whole point which is i want to knock him out yeah you knocked him unconscious here's the thing we see uh angelique it's because she falls over her dead body topples from the falls and we see around her neck the key to the last bomb floating and falling as it tumbles with her and the remote activator within the bottom of the ship somewhere is this bomb that she activated five, six rounds of combats ago that is ready to explode at any moment. The bomb is still activated. The day is not yet saved. We need to find rush. Stop this bomb. And we're going to do that when we come back from our quick break. So I did not have carry Angelique over the falls and throw her down on my bingo card, but I should have. You've been playing Baldur's Gate 3. You should have anticipated this. I should have. 
uh, let's take a quick break. I mean, we, we've gone through so much, but I do want to give this the proper ending. Gone through so much coffee, just like, can we break? Can we break? When are we gonna break? When are we gonna break? I know, I know. I don't. It was too. I didn't want to like break in the middle of that. It was too much. Thing. Anyway, don't go anywhere. We're gonna go to break. Use the bathroom. Oh, I will. God damn it, Richard. All right, we are back. Uh, when the camera comes back from that extended commercial break. All of them have gotten back onto the deck. They've burst their way into the main cabin to find it abandoned. And there's a giant hole in the corner of the room about the size of a pyronite bomb. And you guys are all standing over the edge of this broken board looking over. And you can basically see giant like scrape marks. This giant hole where you're standing was where the pyronite bomb was placed. And then when the ship teleported and hit the ground, it broke through and it's been sliding out through the entirety of the ship as this boat's been rocking back and forth. And so now as you look down this hole, we're basically trying to chase the bomb before time runs out. So we have a certain number of turns to get to the bomb and disarm it. Otherwise, it's all done. So I will present you with the first obstacle. Okay, so we are now on this chase sequence. Yes. Oh. <laughs> uh, starting the first chase sequence is basically as the ship continues rocking back and forth, you guys just have to like make it down the hallway without like losing your footing. So you can either balance using acrobatics. You can use athletics to sort of hold on to stuff. If you have something like sailing lore, you know how to like to like ease the rocks. I'll give you guys. How do you guys going to get down the hallway on a rocking boat? How long has it been since we started the fight? Sorry, what was that? It's still within the 10 minutes. So you still have your wings. All right. One one automatic success for Ruffy for using the wings. Yeah. Hal has uh, the feet steady balance where you can keep your balance easily, even in adverse conditions. That would have been nice to know when you were making saves against the ship rocking. If you each want to use your features, I'll let you guys auto succeed. Deal. Yep. Okay. So that's just says. So we need Saruk and Anita to have a round in this uh, chase. What's the one that uses acrobatics, like holding on to? Yeah, you're just basically like using your acrobatics to make it down the hallway. Yeah. I, how do you feel about like diplomacy to like keep everybody together and like? I think in this case. It's, I think like a, a diplomacy doesn't fit because we're it's you versus like an immobile ship, right? Oh, fair, 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 fair. So me helping others can't be contributed to like a success. It, it, there will be some opportunity for that, but not in this particular challenge, I don't think. I see. Okay. Yeah, athletics it is. We're just going to soldier on. Quick, prepare sailor lore. You actually kind of did have ship lore. I can't. 23 for Anita. All right, 23... 23 is a success. This is going to sound really weird. Can I use pursue a lead and designate the bomb? I'll allow it. Uh, also, Anita, <laughs> so for you, on each one of your turns, I'll allow either you or Wyber to take an action. I'm just going to kind of treat you guys as a singular unit here. Oh, okay. So, so if you want to, like, if there's some skill you think Wybert's better at, you can have Wybert make the check. And if there's something you think you're better at, you can make the check when your turn on okay. initiative comes up. So that's a success from both of you. That's four successes. So we move on to the next challenge back in the background. One round has passed for everyone. We're one tick closer to the bomb exploding. 
Uh, the next room, we we cut you kind of come around the rocking boat and we see another hallway this time full of lightning arcs, teleportation. arcs. This is residual primal energy from the teleportation that transported the whole ship. And as you're rushing through, you're basically trying to avoid getting hit by one of these arcs, because if it touches you, you're going to be teleported somewhere randomly on the ship and lose your place. So things that are good here by default, arcana, nature, occultism, or will saving throw to just avoid being struck, just like powering through and avoid being struck. I would also allow, you know, some other creative solutions. And there's no initiative order. Everyone just has to act once before someone gets to go again. Oh, hello. Tabletop rolls with a raiding party of 14. You're catching us in the finale of Outlaws of Alchemist Stars. We're running to try to disable the last bomb. Rafi has a Thunderstone. Would it attract any of the... Would it act like a lodestone attracting any of the arcane energy? Yeah, I was thinking that like a lightning rod. I will allow you to do that, but you're going to make a check and you're going to get an item bonus for using for using the, the stone. It won't be an automatic success. Alright, so I'd, I'll just do the will save then, because I have nothing on Arcana or Occultism or anything magic-y. So, will save with a plus two item bonus as you try to like use the stone to draw the energy instead. All right. Gotcha. E. 21. Right. So that's a, so you get like teleported back to like the previous room, which doesn't really, it's not taking away any points, but it doesn't contribute a success. So that's zero successes to get through this obstacle. I suppose Saruk is going to see what he hasn't picked up in Eldritch Magic 101. Not much, it seems. Yeah, 21, you're not able to predict the arcs enough. You think you see a pattern, and then as you step in, it rushes in front of you. That's another failure. <clears throat> That's two failures in a row. You want to hero point that? Do you have a hero point? I don't have a hero point. Oh, no. Ruffy and Anita both have hero points from chat, I see. Could Anita... Could Anita, like, you mentioned that they were, um, like, like, lightning strikes, so could Anita fashion a quick lightning rod that she could put very, very far away, and then that would give enough, uh, time for everyone to rush through the, the teleportation, uh, room or something? I will allow you to make a crafting check at a, you know, slightly higher DC, but like, yeah, for sure. You can try to use a crafting check to fashion something to absorb like a lightning rod. Okay. Huzzah! Huzzah! I would like to use a hero point for that one. Yes, Thank you, Chad. Use a hero point, because you guys, now you guys are getting my rolls, and now you're not getting yeah. anything higher than like a two or a three on the dice. This is gonna be a 15. Oh, where did it reroll? Did it reroll? No. It did. <laughs> okay, that's a 30. Yeah. 30 is a success. So yeah, you're able to get one success point um, as you rush down. You guys got one out of the four you need to get through this uh, tunnel. The last person that hasn't gone is Hal. Would I... I was going to say, ask if I... Would I know that this is electricity drawn to metal? Well... You just watched Anita successfully use the lightning crafting to draw some of it. You can make any assumptions you wish. Okay. Yeah, I can't do much. 
Can I affix a rope to a grappling hook and, and spin the grappling hook like towards the center of the room and like maybe stick it against a wall or a, a, a two by four or something there and then swing through the room? Uh, sure, I will allow you to do an athletics check at a slightly higher DC with a uh, plus one item grappling hook bonus. <laughs> grappling hook. It's like those old Nintendo games where you just like do like a little swing, like, yeah, 30 is enough to succeed on that. So that's two out of four chase points after two rounds, of two rounds of chase over somewhere. The bomb ticks the second round ticks over. We're in our third round of the chase. We got the best shot of getting through this. We need two more points to get through. Is that just like, like, is it presumed that Ruffy and I catch up again? Yeah, you guys are back in there. Like, just as a group, you're still dealing with this, right? So if you guys want to be the ones to make the check, can't. But when once you get these next two points, you can move on to the next obstacle. Whoever, everyone gets sacked once per round. So I guess who thinks they have the best shot of dealing with this obstacle? You guys have no idea what the next obstacle actually will be. So now here's the other thing. I'm tracking this as a group initiative. Would we rather break this up and you guys are individually trying to get to the bomb? Ah, that seems fine. In the vein of not overthink it, we want to finish the thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. That said, uh, in the last part, there was a bit about how Wyber could roll instead of Anita in one. Is that also extended to Kijak? Uh, 100%, yeah. Does Kijak have different proficiencies than you? He's got a bigger will save. <laughs> Love so, it. I think we're just going to, by the grace of Majagua, push through... 27. Uh, 27 is what you need. That's the third success. Nice. So you just push. Nice. Just... I guess I just have to try uh, another will save then. I can uh, potentially make it a higher DC if you'd rather do a reflex save just to dodge the stuff. I assume. I mean, if it's a if it's three higher, then it doesn't really matter. True. Is the is the DC would the DC be three or higher than the? I'd make it two higher. Can I? I don't, I don't know if Cluin plays in here. Can it be here? I'll let you sh- clue him in on what you've learned since you made it through successfully. Sure. No, Refi, your other left. I'm not an Ambi Turner. <laughs> <laughs> so that should be a plus two circumstance. Plus two. All right. Reflex save. Oh my god. Twenty-four is not enough. I'm going to use a hero point. All right, hero pointed up. Got to get through these arcs. There we go. 39, critical success. Nice. Two chase points, but you only needed one, so the last one is sort of sort of spent. So, yeah, so we move over here into the next thing. Uh, now you're moving into the panicked crowd. So a group of passengers who have been woken up in the middle of the night. No idea what's going on. There's one crew member that is like panicking, sort of building up all the fervor and just telling everyone that like this is the end. Make peace with your gods. We're going to die. And he's just like doomsday culting it up and just whipping everyone to a frenzy. Everyone's like praying, you know, trying to pack, getting into fights. You can't get through them because of this whole situation is going down. Oh, yes, we can. We could, but you've already used your action for this round, right? Uh, boo, boo, you can do it next boo. round. You can See. do it next round. Uh, but who hasn't acted this round yet? I think it was just uh, Anita and Hal, right? Mm-hmm. I would like to. Is, they're, I'm assuming they're all on the ground, and there's a. So, I, I, can I use combat climber to climb up above the 
morass of people and kind of swing across. Yes, absolutely. Make a go ahead and make an athletics check to climb over the crowd. Oh, critical success. Yeah, critical success. That's two points towards through between you and I'm assuming as you do that, so many people are like amazed that they start like like parting themselves like, you know, whatever it is, it's two successes getting through this. Maybe you take someone with you. I don't know. Leaving just Anita. Now, Anita, this is where if you were playing Baldur's Gate 3, there'd be a little option like a, a Blithier College or Anita option if you'd like to cash in. Because one of the people in this crowd is none other than your sweet, sweet love, Maeve, right? Maeve is here and she's in this pa- crowd of pan- panicked people. And when she sees you coming, she like stops panicking and just sort of looks at you confused and sees that you're trying to get through. If you'd like, you can cash in. She will aid you by walking up and just punching the shit out of this dude and shutting him up. She confused because the need is now like half robot. There is a moment of part confusion, but it's immediately let go in the severity of the situation. Recognizes what's going on. And there's no judgments from Maeve. She accepts Anita for what she is in this moment and says, we'll deal with that later. If you'd like to cash in on that option. Yes, Anita would love to cash in that card. And at the same time, like when they both meet, she'll say, what are you doing here? Don't you know that there's a bomb? (laughs) No one told me there was a bomb. There is a bomb here, sweetheart. Come on, let's go. Well, then why don't you go do something about it so we can talk about this? I'm trying. Come on. Later, later. I missed you very much, but come on. Annie, you can fight with your mouse later. We have a bomb to deal with. <laughs> so I'll, I'll consider that. a crit- I, I had to throw this in. If, if Anita made it here, you would get that option. So that's a critical success paired with house critical success. That's actually the four points you need to move on to the next, the next hall and tick one more tick of the bomb. All right. So now we are in. What is this? Yeah, you never sure. got to use this. Turns the corner. There's no cause for. Oh. <laughs> you were both you were both so prepped for that. And you neither one of you got to use the thing you were built for. That's okay. Love love prevailed. Love wins. So this is the ruptured hall. This room, there's been a, a breach in the hole. Basically water pouring in, furniture floating in the hallway. Just a really tough heavy like stream of current busting through here uh, and you can just it's see the, the bomb floating right through here <laughs> so anita like just looking at this with the right you know debris and crafting you could probably just fashion something that can help slow the stem of water uh if you guys are acrobatic enough you just tumble through the like stream of water or if you're just tough you can just like fortitude save your way through without getting pushed back has it been 10 minutes yet no, you still have your wings. I fly right over it. <laughs> I think even in this case, the stream of water is so heavy that there's no flying over or through it, right? Fair enough. You could do the flight thing, but it also is going to be coupled with the save. Saruka, 39 is a success, and you're able to like use your like puzzle logic brain to like build the right thing to sort of like stem the flow of water, giving two successes towards getting through. I'll uh, fly and use my acrobatics to do aerial 
acrobatics through the air. Oh, all right. Give an acrobatics check. Uh, 23 will not be enough. So you do a cool air acrobatics, but this is the first time you've ever flown in your life, and you just get spewing, like, back down the hallway, like, tumbling into the ground. Even though Saruk has, like, already stemmed the tide, like, half of what it was, still you can't get there. I don't think I've rolled above, a, like, a four. <laughs> Welcome to my world. Pal, Anita? Whichever of you goes next, here's a clue in. All right, never mind, just kidding. I thought it was once per 10 minutes per creature. Fuck! Oh, yeah, it's just 10 minutes, once per 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. This is all taking place really fast. This bomb is ready to explode any moment. We're, we're, not, we're definitely measuring how long it's going to explode in minutes, not, like, oh. longer than that. Anita would have reinforced um, the repair that uh, Saruk did. That way, <laughs> not only could we, you know, like, pass, but uh, that way um, the rest of, you know, like, the peoples will be safe as well. Absolutely. 30 is a success, but not a critical success, taking you guys to three of the four points you need to get through. There's just the slightest like there's it's a light, much thinner beam, but just like like coming across the hall. OK, so would I be able to use uh, Scout's charge to kind of burst through what's remaining to get to the other side? Yeah, it'll be a fortitude save, but I'll give you a slight bonus for doing that. Oh boy, 39. Uh, when you get a success on a fortitude save, you get a critical success, which is two points uh, taking us to more than we need. So you're able to not only scout charge, but also like sort of grab the, the rest of your people and, and pull them through the stream of water. You guys make it through the ruptured hall down into the next obstacle. Malfunctioning clockwork. One of these clockworks that you guys had, you know, Similar to the ones that you left up talk, it's been damaged by debris and it's just like sparking and it's just spinning wildly. It's not like attacking anyone. It's just swinging its sword wildly running in the walls. It's in it's between you and where you need to get. And you can see basically at the end of the hall is um, the bomb itself within sight for the first time. All you need to do is get through this clockwork. Is this a new round? This is a new round. Everyone went on the last round, so everyone has the ability to act. I would like to go. That's okay. I would like to rush forward and knock this thing over. <laughs> down to knock it down. Plus, I have Titan's Wrestler, which allows me to do th big things. Okay. Make an attack roll. Do big things, Hal. Attack roll or athletics. Uh, it, if you're using that improved knockdown scouts thing, isn't it like an attack roll automatically makes a critical success? Yes. If you just want to, I'll let you choose, right? You can do it as an attack roll and use that feature, or you can just make the athletics check straight up. Mm, I'll do an attack roll. It's, this is what it is. 35. Yep. Let me just uh, double check. Um, yeah, so that's a hit. So that's, uh, it automatically knocks down in that case, right? Mm-hmm. So I will definitely count that as a uh, one success point. I'll go next. I'll run up after it's knocked down, take out my thieves tools and mm -hmm. try to dewind this thing using thievery. All right. Make a thievery check. Twenty 
five is success. I think as you get in there and you try to disable it, you actually see there's like debris lodged in some of its like gears and stuff, and you're able to pry some of it out with the thievery check, like calming it, which does you didn't succeed enough to like shut it down completely, but you've calmed it, you've made it a little bit easier to get by, so that is a success towards getting through. I think Cirque is gonna follow behind with his winder's ring. Can I crafting to try to get the thing to stand down? That's this critical success. That's the last two you need to get through that obstacle, taking us to the final obstacle. So you rush, you rush by, you get to basically where the uh, the bomb is, and there's like this loud rumbling noise, and you all like look at each other, and basically a giant wave breaks through the ship, picks up the bomb, and starts just flying at you guys. Like the wave, the bomb, everything is being lifted, and you need to basically withstand the force of the wave uh, and Anita you're the only one that hasn't gone this uh, this round yeah that's what I was thinking like can I hold on to Wybert and then using Wybert's what would that be like athletics or absolutely come on Wybert protect your mama 33 33 that's a success so that's one of the four points you guys need to get through the round ticks over Three more successes, then we can disable this bomb. I wouldn't miss too many times, though. The bomb's definitely close to going off. Oh, it'll be fine. Don't foreshadow it, Tommy. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. Acrobatics work here. Acrobatics could work. It's definitely going to be uh, like you, you see the wave coming. You look up at all the like pipes and stuff and the broken things. You could probably try to jump up and sort of like maneuver yourself to like hang as the water goes underneath you absolutely sure i think it's three higher than my athletics so the wings are definitely going to help you get up into a position so i won't make the dc higher than the um the athletics it'll be the same dc as an athletics check but you can use your acrobatics oh my god i haven't rolled better than like an eight 24 is not a success so that is one failure oh Chat gives a hero point to Reficule. Thank you, chat. Whoever yeah, that chat. might have been. <laughs> Hallowed RPG. I don't know who that is. I'm a cool guy. Ah, he probably sucks. You can chat. roll higher than that, right? Come on. Nope, lower. <laughs> well, even keeping the original roll, uh, that's one failure. Uh, but not a critical failure, so we're good. Uh, everyone else has a chance. Uh, how do we feel about you might have said, forgive me, but like fortitude, save, square shoulders, plant feet, dig in kind of vibes. This is absolutely this is going to be a harder DC than the stream of water before, but it's absolutely something you could do. Alrighty. You can Sorry. also if you don't like just going on the opposite side, if you wanted to use brains over brawn, you might be able to like find a place to like slip into just let the w- rushing water go past. But if you want to try to just brace and go through it, absolutely. Yeah, I think. In this moment, you got the brains versus brawn aspect of Saru coming into play. Kijak is going to bear the weight for us. Theoretically. Ugh. Yep. That is going to be a failure. So no point for Saruk. Uh That leaves us Anita and Hal. And we need three points here to get through this round. Hmm. I see. I feel like Anita just went, right? 
That was at the start of the previous, okay. like the end of the last uh, round. There, right? Yeah. So we're, we really need a critical success here, guys. No or if if you have a hero point, you know maybe we need a hero point for for Keychuck. You guys got to have some coins saved up, right? I gave them to you, and you didn't use them, Stephen. That's true. I did not use them. I felt bad using it against you guys. I'm short 400 points. All right. Yeah, if we die, we die. It's fine. Log on to one of your other accounts. <laughs> Quick to the alt account. They're all short too. Um, think. All right. Hal, Anita. We need we need like a critical success in one of these. Step to step into difficult terrain, and maybe I, I step like the waves are going up and down, and as they d- recede a little bit, Hal will move forward and try to push the the bomb to keep it in place. Okay, I will count that as a athletics check with a um, I'll lower the DC slightly since you have. Well, actually, I'll give you a bonus to your roll, but essentially it's the same thing. Take a plus one circumstance bonus. You hold your feet in the water. Uh, well, I'm going to tell you it's a success. If you want to use a hero point, maybe you'll get the critical success. It works for Richard so well. That is no longer a success. <laughs> but. Holding true to the previous ruling, I'll allow you to keep the original success and not lower it down to something worse. So that's one more success, giving us two out of four, meaning Anita, it's up to you here. So I'm thinking... (laughs) I'm thinking like this, the Star Wars way of like just shooting ropes into this bomb and bringing it down. That way it doesn't go anywhere. You got the grappling hook. I do, but I want it. Could I reinforce my grappling hook with uh, a stronger piece of rope? Oh, shoot. Look at the bomb, figure out the best way to to keep it down so that it doesn't ride with the wave. Because I know there is I, I know there's this equipment um, wherein if you shoot at it or something or if you fall it pretty much just brings out like cushion to you know like to protect you from the fall so i was thinking if these waves are crashing maybe i can shoot like a quick invention up into the bomb that way if it ever hits anything it'll still keep floating or just not detonate from the force yeah i got you It'll be like an improvised crafting sort of thing. Yeah. All, All right. right. Here we go. Huzzah. <laughs> Two's not going to do it here. If you got a hero point, which I, I assume you have, have one. I still have a hero point. You have one. So you were yeah. hoping to save this for the bomb check, but we should use it now. Yeah, we need to get to the bomb first. Come on. There we go. 29 29 is a success but it's not quite a critical success which gives us three of the four chase points and I think at this point it's pretty uh, it's pretty apparent to you any of that like there's like you hear the like tick 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 click clack click clack click and there's like a bell going off you you are past the point this thing is already in the process of detonating so whatever DC that existed to disable this device has gone up. Mm-hmm. 
but I still give you a, like the waves recedes. You guys all come up on the bomb. It's in the middle of its detonation process. There's like liquid being injected into other things. There's like automated fuses that are being like lit. So it's like all these long fuses. There's like 12 fuses going to different bundles. Everything's in process of going off and you're seeing it all in that moment. How, I mean, you guys can all, or one of you can attempt this or you can aid each other. You get one shot at disabling this device. One shot, jeez. We had one shot. One shot, one opportunity. One opportunity. Okay, so out of character. Nina, do you want it or should I? Sorry, I'm, what? Do you want it or should I? I think our mods are about the same. Yeah, I, don't I got know a 20 you plus 22. Your mod is better than mine. Just kidding. I'm going to roll to aid Nina. Okay. Okay. So is Bomblor cool? Yeah, Bomblor is 100% cool in this situation. Hokey dokey for Finally! 38. So that's a critical success. Uh, that's a critical <laughs> success, which is going to give Anita plus two. Is it circumstance bonus? Yeah, plus two circumstance bonus. What's the DC on aiding here? 20? Yeah. Yeah, DC. But like you can't like you can't stack circumstance bonuses and you already hit the critical success. Hmm. At best, you okay. can get in there with Refugee, but at you know, best you add nothing. At worst, you actually re add a circumstance penalty. Yeah, no, uh, I'm not going to do anything. And I'm only trained in that given lore, so it doesn't go higher. Yep. So, Anita, like this can be thievery. This can be crafting. This can be engineering lore. This can be bomb lore. Yeah. I have expert uh, expert disassembler, so I can use my crafting uh, to disable the device. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think Hal pops open a like a cigarette pack and he just looks up at <laughs> hands it to him and he's like, "I take one." It's casually open it. flame in front of dynamite. In front yeah. of I put one hand behind Hal's back and one hand behind Sirk's back, and I just give him a nod. You got this, Annie. Anita looks at Maeve and she says, "You shouldn't be here, love." She just mouths the words like "I believe in you." So normally this would be, this would be a, a, a DC thirty with the failure and in the thing in the middle of like diffusing. I'm gonna call this the DC thirty five. Jesus. <laughs> Gee, thanks. Okay, I need to roll an eleven and higher. Does chat? Does anyone have anyone have hero, hero points? points? <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> If there's anyone to chat with a hero point, let's cash it in now because this, you know, this is going to be the roll of all rolls. Nina, don't worry about it. It's fine. You and I have plot armor. <laughs> maybe. Just maybe. Huh? Let me think. Can I combine? You know, we've been through a lot. No, no, Steve. Let it. If it goes bad, it goes bad. You want to I, I'll give you. A, I mean, I haven't given you guys got a lot here, but I can give you a hero point if you guys think you want to hear a point in the situation to tip the odds in your favor but if you want to let it ride can we monologue we can our way into being rewarded a hero point no let the drama be the drama I will allow you guys to do whatever it's, it's your story and your ending to your story how much do you want the scale to tip in one way or another let it ride let it ride 11 or higher my friends everyone believes in you Anita all of your honor. training all of your schooling <laughs> all the innocent all the innocent people on this boat 
the yeah. entire castle of Alcastar, the city of Hellside that will be caught in the blast radius. The ghost of Vashon Gat will be floating behind you. Like, <laughs> ah, <both."> <laughs> <laughs> the click clack, you can hear it. that click clack noise. It all slows down. There's a small like kind of like presence felt with you as uh, you feel Bry herself sort of kind of come down as her she's just like you can just feel her presence right the rest of the world seems to be going slower she's there with you and she tells you it's okay you have this trust in yourself I believe in you Raku do one thing yeah this is the time to do a thing I grab Saruk Tusks. What? Can I can I kiss you? <laughs> Fuck it. And then, here we go. I kiss Tusks. And after a moment, I look towards Anita. Nah, I just don't get it. It's it's pretty it's very lovely. I I I hope that you get to do it again. You don't get it. You guys what? look very lovely. Oh, it Are looks you like Ulysses Jerry Mendoza, stop the bomb. <laughs> You are talking a lot. <laughs> in the quiet. Yeah. In the quiet after Bry comes down. Anita takes in a breath. Looks at all her friends that oddly enough made sure that she was alive so that she can clip this final wire and save Alkenstar. And she looks at Maeve and she says... It took me this long to realize how incredibly important and precious you are to me. It's unfortunate that it's taken me this long and that I may never ever and that I may never be able to say it again. Let's do this. Blue! Eleven or higher! That's <laughs> 41! Seventeen on the dice, forty-one total. Against all odds, preventing even a partial explosion with the critical success here. Well, not quite a critical success, but yeah, basically that's high enough that I think I, I, I considered possibly having a partial explosion, which would be less devastating, but still devastating. No. With bated breath, you succeed your check. The bomb has been stopped. The day is saved. Click, clack, click, and there's no clack. And we fade to black. Did it, guys? Jesus, that was so <laughs> nerve-wracking. Oh. <laughs> Never felt the weight of that single dice roll be so heavy, right? No, he yeah. nothing. No, it was better that way. I, I think it was better that way. In the, you know, weeks... After this, the truth comes out about everything that was happening. The gear smoke is cleared from the rubble. There's no major damage to the city, no major damage to the infrastructure. Everyone knows that Grand Duchess Trieta Rusia personally put an end to this plan. That her her hand guided the agents of Alkenstar to prevent such a dangerous madman from being on the loose. She uses it to boost her popularity. Public sentiment goes up. 
The specifics of your involvement are kept hush-hush given the nature of your status as outlaws. And yet, there's no denying, especially internally, the grateful attitude they have towards you guys. Even though you went a little rogue at the end and kind of shirked your shackles, you did it in a way where you protected the city. And they thank you for that. And you are now indebted. or the, the Duchess herself is indebted to you. She uses this resurgence, the fear to like enact pretty strong reform within the city to weed out a lot of the shield marshal corruption. The uh, Iron Master who runs a lot of shield marshals was f- like basically forced to resign over this. You are all awarded a total. I mean, it doesn't matter so much, but you're given a bounty of 2000 gold to take and split your way and do what you'd like to do to start the next journey of your life. You are all cleared of any outstanding crimes against you. She has pardoned you for all crimes, future, all past crimes that you have. Your slates are wiped clean, whether they were real crimes or just, you know, fake crimes that you were set up with. You got a clean slate and a clean start. The only thing is, is that you can't go around telling people you're not supposed to be quite open with what transpired and that you guys were hired outlaws forced into servitude. That part, you've kind of have to keep quiet if you want to honor the terms of the agreement. The city will eventually correct itself. Angelina Loveless had an idea of forcing change in the city, change in a way that she thought she should bring about. But thanks to you guys, the city has changed in a slightly different way. Instead of turning against clockworks, it's, you know, becoming more embraced. The clockworks don't have the fault of like going mad like a lot of the shield marshals tend to do and be brutal so most conscription laws that have been being pushed through congress fall apart no one's gonna be forced into military servitude all that's directly related to you guys and you have a forever lasting impact on the city as well as by stopping this plan and containing the pyronite from really making its way out pyronite itself will not be made known. It did not cross the borders into Nexergeb. The world will not be exposed to the dangers and the threat of Pyronite as a bomb. It'll be safely held, stored, and monitored by the uh, the city of Alkenstar itself and taken back to the gunworks for proper uh, disposal, storage, and or monitoring, and probably future technological advances as seen as needed. But... Within weeks, you know, Alcastar is back to his normal self. I would say this would be a time for with your characters um, to kind of give a quick sort of. You all survive. So what would happen like next? What is your character's next step? What does the rest of their life look like, etc.? And as you guys, I want to give you guys the floor to share some of that, whatever you think would best befit your character. Thanks so much, Steve. Let's start with Saruk. Okay. So I think, I think, I think, I think in the immediate after effects of everything you just described, there's a lot of like, it probably feels like nose in the business that shouldn't be there. They're like, this is how to do, this is what law enforcement ought to look like. These, here are the things that are going bad here. Are da, 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 just like up in the business of as things are like 
spinning outward. There's... I don't think Saruk would just dip out immediately after the... I don't know if this is written down, so I'll ask you, Steve. How long did the campaign take place? Like, in-game. I would say from beginning to end, most of the time probably took place in our trip to the Cradle of Quartz, which took weeks, right? Like, it took, like, one or two weeks, I think, for all that. Plus the, like, several months of people being in jail in the prologue. Okay, so after like half a year-ish of near-death experiences bringing people back from the grave fighting fighting each other and fighting alongside each other i don't think there would be more than just like disappear especially if somebody is like hey can i kiss you and now feelings are places but nevertheless for at least a little while saruk has to get back to matakali which i guess by airship is i don't know how long that takes to do but would there's like one moment there's wherever Saruk is staying, presumably at the barrel and bullet. There's a, a note that's like, hey, going home. We'll be back. When Saruk goes home, if. Janiah, that was his name, if Janiah wants to, rather than like live in a tavern or have whatever it is that like passes for, like, care of homeless children, and Alcanzar Saruk would offer to take him back to Matakali, introduce him to structures and systems that can uh, give him a better quality of life. If he doesn't want to, then I think Saruk would feel really bad about it, but like, wouldn't force the kid to, like, nope, sorry, leave everything you know. Come with me. So I'll, I'll just pose you a choice here. Because he's torn between two possible branches for his life future. One is following you going into the structure, uh, you know, following you back home and following in that, those paths. The other is that in the in the wake of this Phoebe Dunsmith, who has been forced, much like yourselves, into service, has finally earned her freedom, her retirement. And she's ready to retire. She's leaving the bar to her uh, to her sister or her cousin, uh, I think it was. I don't remember. She's going to retire. And she's going to, like, open up a playhouse, dedicated playhouse. And she would she's offering to take him under her wing and raise him herself to be an actor. So yeah, so do you want him to stay in Augustar and become an actor? Or do you want him to come back home with you and he'll go whichever way you decide? I think he's a young child. He's very malleable. So he will go with whatever flow it in is. In that case, if, if like there's going to be a better like he's gonna have a better home for him and Phoebe is also out of the the fucking ringer with Alkenstar's Alkenstar's laws blah, 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 then yeah it seems fine so rather than let him stay here plus that will well more in a minute when Sruk gets back to the MSSP turning in Gimthrak for like conjuring demons inside the city's walls is probably a lot of paperwork but then that paperwork uh, ends up ultimately with like whether or not they would want to reinstate him for like him getting like that crime was framed on him and all of this bad shit, but whether or not they wanted to or not, I think Saruk would ultimately turn in his badge and further. There's an old woman somewhere in Matakali whose son's armor 
that I'm wearing. I think Sir could probably track her down, remove the armor, give it back. This isn't mine. I was borrowing it. It should go. That kind of logic. There would be a, a moment where it's like, go stop in. And it's been a while since I've said this in character. And I don't know who is or isn't watching, but like, Matakali is the very, like, you have fought all of the demons in the Mwangi Expanse and you have earned your keep and you have done all of this big shit. Now come live this relatively easy lap of luxury kind of thing. And Saruk's mother is a retired crusader, but his dad is just like this, like, old art teacher who has retired. Just this, like, your average, everybody had that, like, kind of stoner art teacher in high school, right? kind of my ass you all know and then it'd be like go see them go see Saruk's sisters as and when they're home catch up tell them why the fuck I've been gone for six months and then that culminates I think with the the realization that Saruk had traveled I'm not looking at the map but it's something like 1500 miles from Matakali to Alkenstar to chase down someone who had done his people wrong and had been very like tunnel visioned about and we're here to do this and we're doing this and we're doing this and this is why I am here and don't be exposed to anything else and man this city sucks but then like you start getting dirt under your fingernails with people and you start having to like this big fuck off snake is going to eat someone who doesn't deserve to be here in the first place because they're not a fighter they're a student and then they die and then here is this like gruff outlander warrior who's like watching over us but clearly has like a beast within that he himself is quietly fighting to say nothing of the victimized child turned assassin that like over all of this there are like bonds of friendship that develop though he has a life in Matakali abandoning Refi and Hal and Anita would be no you, you, you couldn't do so I think where Saruk lands is ultimately Saruk would come back to Alkenstar permanently. Whether or not there is, like... I think Saruk would probably, if for no other reason than he's attached, like, if Refi reciprocates, there would be pursue a relationship with him. But ultimately, I think it's like, get all of my gear that is worth what people are spending a shit ton of money on food about sell it make a lot of money and then convert all of that money to a i think something along the lines of a like relatively small ish public schoolhouse somewhere in smokeside uh, funded by him personally for the goal of providing like his neighbors, his neighbors, children, refugees who are coming here to like escape the undead slavery in Geb or migrant workers who are coming here because this is where the work is and the mana waste is where uh, death and chaos storms are to like here is a city that is talking about an ethos of hard work and self-improvement, but with nothing to back that up. So Saruk can is smart enough, is capable enough to help back that up, teach people anything from like how the system of government works, how you can fit into it in such a way that it like doesn't blow your moral come. Also it doesn't like, you don't know how city policies work. And so you're going to get trampled under those gears that are click clack 
click clack click clack all over the place there's probably also some like here are the basics of how a firearm works here's how you can use that to defend yourself here's how please no don't leave that loaded what are you doing basic gun safety 101 which I, i don't think he's going for like fortune fame or anything more than the notoriety equivalent to that guy who showed up to an apartment complex with <laughs> way too much fucking bread that uh, don't ask where it came from. <laughs> to that point, one thing I like to imagine that like one of the lasting things that kind of outlives Saruk in a way, then, and I think if you even ask most Alkenstar residents like down the road, they don't really know his origins, but there is a sort of holiday that's springing into existence, which has been called like Community Day, which is basically kind of equivalent to like our like concept of like a labor day where like basically the community gets together to share with your neighbor or something that wasn't really seen much until Sarut kind of came along and started sharing with his neighbors and it's become a staple to make the best fancy savory sweet bread you can do and every community day is basically people trying to outdo each other by making the best bread and nobody knows why but we know it goes back to Sarut and that first that first bread delivery can't think of anything else other than just like Saruk went a really really long way to do one thing but then realized when he got there wait shit I've lived my whole life under this one notion I haven't really stopped and like made friends and shit and now here are friends so the rest of his days other than like if he's called to other than maybe a side of go to that temple of Yogg-Sothoth and tear it apart brick by brick by brick <laughs> don't worry about that uh, is just peace love friendship for the rest of his days. Very nice. Out of character, each and every one of... I, I run Pathfinder games on the internet. Professionally, I have like 36 hours of games in a week as my full-time job. I am thus... I am the poster boy for don't turn your hobby into your career or you'll burn out. And God knows it is really hard for me to find a, like a TTRPG group to fit in with that doesn't feel like I'm just showing up for work or isn't like gamer bros on the internet who just want to like dice about mechanics for four hours and like each and every one of you uh, pardon my french you fucking kick ass <laughs> at what you do what like i had a, a lot of people in my life over and over again it was like hey you want to see that thing i do twitch and those who like where femme presenting would like right after be like, oh my God, Nina is so cool. Her character is so great. This is the best thing. I never find content that isn't just a bunch of like guys on the internet back and back and forth dicing and shit. So I, man, the amount of positive feedback (laughs) I got from friends and partners about Nina. I, I also really like having people in my life who will like in my games who will foil me. Everyone agreeing forever and ever and ever is it gets the plot moving. God, it's boring. And I just, we need the drama. I, I say that even as Hal is like hand on the wheel. No, Tommy, stop. Tommy, no. <laughs> Tommy, stop chewing the fat for four hours. Content. Tommy, chew the fat, please. All right, cool. <laughs> Call me again in six months when we do this, and I'm going to chew all of your fat. That that came out weird. Uh, uh, somebody. <laughs> and also, Steve uh, is okay, I guess. Deal. Yeah, Steve. Steve's there. But it really you are so good at stuff. You, the magic like, is you for the the amount of people who I talked to about the Cradle of Quartz, and I told them we all survived and we got the NPC out, no casualties, and they just didn't believe me. 
We're like, how? How? That's impossible. It's not impossible. Just like be a good GM to say nothing to the amount of like care and attention you put through the stupid fucking ads at the beginning, <laughs> which I when we don't do them, I feel weird because it's like, why haven't I laughed at Steve's dumb sense of humor? I'm not ready for Pathfinder, that the chase scenes are really good and on and on and on and on and on. Okay, I've talked enough. Somebody take this mic uh, away from me. I'll take the mic, but thanks, Tommy. I love hearing <laughs> I'm glad that you could come spend 36 hours a week doing this and come here and play and be able to enjoy yourself and come out the other end. I mean, if you say that you're having a great time here, then we must be doing something right. But you are. You fucking are. You're... <clears throat> so let's keep that mic pass on to Hal. So Hal, uh, what are we looking at for Hal's epilogue? So I think some time goes by as you see the dust blow across the road of Hellside, and uh, you also see the hurry feet of residents gathering outside the doors of the Barrel and Bullet Saloon. And you hear a voice addressing the crowd. Ladies and gentlemen, fellow residents of this frontier town, I stand before you today as an average man who knows the taste of defeat, the sting of disappointment, and the weight of responsibility. My journey, much like this town's, has been one of trials and tribulations. But let me assure you, our story is far from over. For today, a new chapter begins. A chapter where an average man takes on the role in the days when lovelessness, <clears throat> I mean lawlessness, seemed like an insurmountable challenge. When our safety lay shattered amidst the ruins of our struggles, yet here we are, standing on the cusp of transformation. You see, I understand the pain of setbacks and the desperation of wanting to give up. But what defines us is not our adversities, or not the adversities we face, but how we rise above them. Just as I have risen above, so shall this town. It's not about donning the badge and enforcing law from a distance. It's about the daily commitment to protect, to serve, and to uplift one another. I may have been an average man once, maybe even an outlaw. But I've come to realize the true strength lies in unity. And he looks to his friends and then glance, glances to each one and nods to them before he looks back out to the crowd. Each one of you has a stake in the safety of our community, a responsibility to watch out for one another. It's time we weave those threads of vigilance together into a fabric of security. As we step into this new era, let's remember that a sheriff is not a symbol of authority, but of accountability. I've walked the path of adversity and I've learned that justice is a force far mightier than any weapon as he glances towards Saruk. Our town's wounds can be healed with fairness, our disputes settled with impartiality, and our trust rebuilt through transparency. It won't be an easy journey. Upholding the law never is, but I believe in us. And I believe in the strength that comes from picking ourselves up when we stumble, and the resilience born for facing challenges head on. This town isn't a reflection of our shared values, and it's time to exemplify those values for the generations that follow. So, let's restore not just the order that has been lost, but the harmony that was disrupted. Let's retain the sense of security that was taken away in the chaos. Let this town be a testament to the power of the community and the unyielding dedication of its sheriff. Remember, friends, an average man is not defined by their ordinary beginnings, as he glances towards Reficule. 
but by their unwavering determination to rise. With every sunrise, we have the opportunity to rise as guardians of our own lives and as protectors of a safer community. Let's seize that opportunity together and bring a new era of lawfulness to this town. And our journey as sheriff and community begins today. And he takes off his hat and bows to the crowd as there are light applause and the scene fades to back as black as Al is now the new sheriff of Alcanstar. Let me ask you something for Rick, for Hal. Given the newly vacated post of Ironmaster within Alkenstar, which is a, a it's an appointed post, the the Duchess has the power to appoint someone, and they just have to be approved by the council. The Ironmaster is basically the commander of all Shield Marshals. Is that something that Hal would be interested in taking up? Hal would do that because living with Liren and knowing his connection to Loveless, he's. I think quickly able to identify that the good shield marshals versus the bad shield marshals. And he one by one slows, slowly dismisses them from their duties. And I think uses Saruk as a, a arbiter of justice and lawfulness around, um, around Alkenstar. And he would take that post but it wouldn't be a fear of the shield marshals or a fear of what had come in the several hundreds of years that Lovelace had held the post, but a more honest, and open transparency as the hell side of this town rises to at some point in future meet sky side of this town where there's equality, both in law, but in justice amongst the rich and the poor. And I think that's that. We have our new Iron Master of Alkenstar, Iron Master Halbrant Beastwood. One of the biggest regrets I have for this campaign is we never really got to delve into Hal's backstory or know much about Hal. That was lost in the shuffle, and I am forever going to be sad about that. But it is awesome to see that, you know, you had a path and a plan for him, it seems. I appreciate the uh, latitude and opportunity, Steve, that you provided each and every one of us. Yeah. I think this was one character you came in not really telling me much, and we kind of figured it out as we went along, right? Yeah, that is that is accurate. Well, let's keep the, the train rolling. Uh, Anita. Sorry, I was trying to write as much as I can. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but uh, so for Anita... Uh, Sue, I've lost her accent, so I'm sorry, guys. So soon after the yeah, soon after the events above Alkenstar, Anita would have came back home to Phoebe's and immediately looked for Kojak. Uh, she'd tell him, even though he would most likely forget that she finally now has enough money for them to go back home and that even though it sounds boring to go back to school she'll finish because at the end of the day it is what she promised to him she'll find herself quite frankly addicted to the presence of her friends 
being that they shared so many ups and downs with each other and on top of that they're the only ones who can truly understand what happened not Maeve not Kojak not Phoebe no one only them so after some time when she feels that the high of what transpired had settled and the realities of having to continue on with her life dawns Anita crafts a bracelet for each of them with a charm similar to the tattoo Halbrand has, except for like Anita's whole name. And so one night she'll invite them to her home, um, probably make dinner, and then she'll and then as she secures the bracelet to to each of their wrists, she says, "I don't think that I would ever meet a group." that I would lay my life down for. And I'm very, very grateful and appreciative uh, appreciative of everything that you've done for me. This life that I have now, I wouldn't even imagine that I would get to experience, but because of what you did for me, especially at that temple, I get to see it. I get to experience it. And so thank you. I know, I know that you all have lives to live. But here's a gift. Also, it's a tracker. So, yeah, you all can fly off to wherever you want to go. But I would know where you will be going. So, I'm not doing it secretly. You know that I will be keeping track of you. That way, and then she shows that actually at the very bottom, there's a button in there. That way, whenever you need me, or whenever you need the rest of us to come in, and what I have to do is bring the back, uh, bring the gang back in again, you can just press that button right there, and we'd all fly to where you are. And then... Yeah, sure, she'll she'll feel super sad about it as well, but eventually she lets go. And then, as for Refi, knowing what she knows about Refi, she'll really pursue him to stay because he's her brother. And one day, she realizes that she feels that she might be clipping his wings by not letting letting him fly off wherever he wants to. So she tells him, "You were, Rafa. You were raised to feel obligated to stay, and I don't want you to get old still feeling that. So if you want to leave, that's okay." Just come and visit every once in a while. Say hi, because Kojak's going to forget. Maeve's doing her own thing. And right now you're all that I have. So do what you want to do, but every once in a while, say hello. And you know... I really think you and Saruka are cute together. 
So maybe think about it again. Yeah? Okay. <laughs> and then we can cut that scene and then... I know that Anita had a confession with with Maeve when she was, you know, trying to defuse that bomb. And being that she's not a very emotionally intelligent person, she'll be so weird around her at first. Like, if anything, she'll avoid her. She'll try and hide from her. Uh, she's probably going to get her bad. But for Anita, it's like she bra she doesn't understand what she's going through. So, yeah, she'll act weird around her. And like with her fear that her confession would actually push her away, she doesn't, she wasn't really truly aware that like her actions after the fact were the ones pushing her away and not the confession itself. So eventually she re realizes that for as smart as she is, she's really dumb when it comes to realizing that it shouldn't be this hard when it comes to her. So one evening, she goes to Maeve's house and says, You know, you drive me absolutely mad that I want, I want to pull my hairs out every single day. But every single day, you are also the first and last thought that I have. I want to be there for you on your happiest days but more so when you are at your lowest and in the absence of literature in the libraries explaining to me what this is I apologize really that it's taken me this long to understand that what I feel for you is love I want to try again because now I feel that I'm going to do it right so Maeve, I love you and I want to be with you and I'm sorry that I was a little bitch about it this entire time. I think her immediate response is basically to like just shake her head and like turn away from you. I understand. And then you hear her say, you really can be quite stupid sometimes, can't you? And she turns around and she's got like a smile and tears of joy. And she just like wraps her arms around you and gives you a kiss and says yes. See? And then after after they make out, uh, Anita would say in like her naivety, I don't I really don't understand why Refi doesn't think this is great. Roll for initiative. <laughs> <laughs> But my outer character is like, I, I know that the last couple of weeks have been like really, really, really been busy. And I appreciate you guys so much for your patience, especially with me, because it's all me, guys. It's all me. It's been me. Oh, like last week was me. The week before was Rick. But, you know, we've all taken our turn. So I really appreciate everyone's patience because I really do enjoy like playing with everyone. And it's so fun to be in a group that's so shameless in how dramatic we can be. 
when it comes to our characters. You you can't find that anywhere. Um, you have to have a lot of luck for that one. So I'm, I'm, I'm always grateful that I get to play in this table and be surrounded not only by people who know their shit, but by people who are willing to go with what you're doing. Like, it's a lot of yes ends with this group. And I'm, I'm so, so, so happy. And I feel so, so lucky to have found you guys. Feeling is very mutual. Believe us. Like, you know, it goes back a hundred times back to you. And, you know, it's hard to imagine doing this without you. Hopefully you work. Guys, stop getting COVID, please. It's always COVID. <laughs> It'd be a lot easier if you could just make COVID go away. <laughs> As he hacks up a lung. Uh-oh. Um, but yeah, it was really interesting from my perspective seeing where Anita started and where she ended and the whole, especially when she died because that was like, oh my gosh. And then the whole like, maybe she'll be resurrected, maybe she won't. And then she was sort of given a purpose and then kind of it just kind of naturally coming down to the last role being in Anita's hands it kind of came back full circle like Anita was brought back for a reason where I needed something to put the right person in the right place at the right time and it just organically came together made a nice moment I think there has been one kind of one time in my whole life when it's come up to oh no someone's character died are we going to resurrect them? What's gonna hear our dice roll? Everything is dicey that I cried actual real people tears <laughs> in fucking is this gonna work or not? So mm. That was a really uh, epic moment. The way we played out that that thing that was I'll always remember that that scene and that opening to that was the opening to like the second book, right? We just started with that, I think. Whew. Yeah, what a way to we start jump into it. Yeah. Yeah, what a way to start. And, you know, I did not expect Nina to be like cyborg by the end of the campaign. But, uh, you know, it kind of all makes sense. And I can start like half clockwork. So, yeah, the love comes back to you a hundred times, Nina. And, uh, you know, patience, you know, it's well worth waiting because we can't like I couldn't imagine finishing this out without you here. So, yeah. All right. Well, those are some big shoes to follow. So, uh. Reficule. Ruffy does fuck all. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the end. Uh, no, Ruffy does find himself a bit uh, unsure of himself and his place. He sticks around with his friends for a while. Uh, tries to make a relationship with Saruk work at first. Um, but eventually tells Saruk that he just doesn't feel that attraction or those feelings towards anyone really but he does feel affection and friendship and trust for him uh, but he sticks around for Hal becoming the Iron Master he sticks around taking care of Kojak with Annie things break off a little bit awkwardly with Saruk as he goes to Matakali saying he's gonna come back but uh after that conversation with Annie seeing her with Maeve seeing Hal taking his place he never felt love for the city 
He never felt duty to it. The thing that connected him was anger and hate. He doesn't have that anymore. But he's not sure what he has. So eventually, seeing everyone kind of settled in, taking their place, he does leave Alkenstar for the first time. Second time. After the Cradle of Quartz in his life. And just drifts, trying to find himself, I guess. Trying to find his own kind of code of living. He's always lived for other people. Lived through other people. So he's trying to find who he is. But after a while, he'll stop by every once in a while. Falcon Star. And I would say eventually he does return for good. And, uh, if Saruk would be willing to put up knowing his limitations in a relationship, I think he'd be willing to become partners, knowing that they know each other better than anyone else and can push each other's buttons better than anyone else. Oh, it's true. And, uh, Hal has his work, and I'm sure another shield marshal to take his take uh take up partnership with. Anita has Maeve, and uh I don't think Refi in his travels or anywhere else finds a better partner than Saru. So. <laughs> Damn it, Nina. It was also interesting from my perspective to watch where Refi Kill came from because we started with this sort of like angsty cowboy gunslinger who just wanted revenge against his father sort of thing and then we got to that point where it was sort of the end of the what we thought might have been the end of Reficule's sort of uh, story and then to watch the other characters just organically change the situation and change Refi. The Refi's not the same Refi that we met back in the beginning of the the prologue let alone the like the middle of book one right so you know watching your characters actually interact and change Ruffy was interesting and we got to that moment where we had to make the decision like is this the end for Ruffy or is he going to stick around to the end and I gotta say I'm very happy that you stuck around to the end with Ruffy mm-hmm. if not just for that image of old rock the, the demon flying out of the waterfall to hellside mm-hmm was worth everything to get there. And I will say that uh, he does visit Muglin once, and only once. And uh, he doesn't forgive him, doesn't tell him that he forgives him. He tells him that he lets him go. That he won't occupy his thoughts or his emotions at all. And he'll never see him again, and I'll never think of him again. And I never go back. Hell yeah. Yeah, that seems like the best way to end that relationship for sure. You know what? What a what a good question you bring up. There were a bunch of NPCs, uh, one of which probably at some point is like, hey, whatever happened to that Shoma guy? Uh-oh. <laughs> but like, there were a bunch of people who like on purpose, Saruk was trying to not kill because they're either a victim of the society they're in freaking out because oh no technology uh under the influence of an outer god apparently or so on and so forth what becomes of them steve does, does the change happen Do like all of these people turn the corner and do better 
So some of them for sure. I'm trying to remember all the ones off the top of my head. Shoma unfortunately met an untimely end great. at the hands of Reficule. We know that much, right? He was not allowed to be given a second chance. That was taken from him in dramatic fashion. We had uh, Gattleby who ended up biting the bullet. So Gattleby didn't survive, right? Um, what was the name? It was Kosawana, Olaman Kosawana that you had to rescue from the Cradle of Quartz. Had you not intervened like you did, he would have basically gone in a very bad downward spiral and sort of not like a doomsday cult per se, but he would have been like one of those like doomsayers on the corner with the sandwich board saying like the end is near, ringing a bell, like just telling people like how it's all meaningless. There's no point. He was like lost, but you had a very strong heart to heart with him. And I think you actually made some roles against him that I was using to gauge what happened with him. And I think your words put him back on a path to, I don't want to say redemption because it was more as you see, like he never really lost his faith. He just misplaced it in the wrong thing. But I think you guided him back to find the true faith of Bry and in the logic and design and to stop going down the conspiracy theory hole and stop for all intents and purposes, red pilling himself into believing crazy things and put him back on that path he actually is able to go ahead and rejoin the church and eventually retain that high cog status that he once had, that he had been taken from him, but it takes him a lot of time, but that would not have been possible had you not intervened. That's a hundred percent, a direct reaction from your influences on him. The, the, the barrel and bullet, like, you know, once Phoebe retires, uh, she's able to move on and, pursue her passion which is drama theater uh playhouse <laughs> writing she becomes a writer she puts on awesome plays and she pours every bit of her soul into that like she much like you guys she was forced into her stature she wanted out but it was always there's one more job one more job this job was big enough that she earned her reprieve and that would not have been possible without you guys directly stopping the plot so she was granted her freedom and able to sort of raise the, the new son and bring him up in the acting um, and leave that whole spy part of her life behind and just focus on enjoying the last bits of life she has left. She left the the bar to the rest of the, the crew who still to this day, keep it running. Oh, what was Phoebe? It was um, been like months and months since we talked about their name. Yeah. I'm brain farting too. Yeah. MB but, Halfling, Hot Tiefling Orc. Yeah, uh, Hot Tiefling Orc. That's right, Hot Tiefling Orc. A Murray Martial Artist. Yeah. That's it. Brain no remember name, sorry. Yeah. Does Ruffy ever go back and continue training with their ship? Or is it over? Yeah, I think uh, he continues training so much eventually. He, uh, he puts down the gun for good. Mm-hmm. And just continues training with martial arts. More for the art itself. And uh, he takes up the profession of being a professional bull rider. (laughs) (laughs) Literally. (laughs) (laughs) Were there any other NPCs in particular you can remember? Yes, Yes. where's Aldo? What is he doing here? By the way, Anita was on the boat. By the way, so Aldo's fate was tied but, to you guys. We didn't get to see him. 
Although it was a vote, of course. So, uh, like, part of the labor movement was working really close with Angelique Loveless. So she was kind of helping them, one of the politicians, to push her loss through and was using the labor movement as a way to kind of push anti-clockwork fervor. And Aldo was swept up into that without realizing why he was being swept up into it. He was just a cog in somebody else's plans, which is why a lot of those riots and demonstrations were happening against clockworks, kind of manufactured stuff. Aldo uh, was saved. His life was saved because of that. Uh, He did rekindle his love with uh, Wanda. What was her name? I forget her name now. Anyone remember her name? Anyways, he became a better man. He grew from his experience and he's a very strong advocate of unions within Alkenstar. And he's one of the more vocal people. And he's constantly asking Saruk for advice and, and plans and making sure that like, you know, he's not being played anymore. He doesn't want to be somebody else's cog. He wants to, you know, he wants to make sure he's his own man. No, that's very important. And make sure you're going to the church of Torog. Don't miss Zumba Day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Refi drags the whole group every week to Doomba. <laughs> <laughs> you know I what I'm realizing? Anita, like, every single time, Anita would be, I am Master Halbert. <laughs> Salute. No, I'm just realizing if if we do end up doing something like the Sky King's Tomb, Aldo's got to be in the Dwarven City of Highhelm, right? He's got to, he's going to be doing... Dwarf and Zumba there, right? Yeah, he'd have to. International competitions gone out to High Helm to fucking... (laughs) I tried to have options for Aldo to be everywhere that we could. It just was a fun recurring character that just organically sprang up from the prologue. Um, We didn't have time to explore him on the ship. Had we had more episodes, we would have been able to interact with him more. But I did have sort of a long-term plan to tie him into the overarching plot. But we didn't really get into a lot of the side stuff with how the the lawmakers were using the labor movement to further their own laws and helping Angelique with her anti-clockwork fervor was sort of how I painted it in my mind. Mm-hmm. It just didn't come to the forefront. It never really was a thread we followed, but that was how I pictured Aldo's story going. Had you not detonated the bomb, he would have blown up. So you saved his life. Good job. So I also, there was somebody who I was talking to way back when who told me, like, I knew what the bomb did. If the bomb went off, I just, if you want to roll it. Oh, shit. I almost forgot. You guys want to guess how much HP Saruk had at the end of the, all of the stuff? Don't worry about it. I'll just tell you he had 69. Nice. <laughs> how much did Ruffy have? Like five? Ten. That's nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Much worse. Uh, I'll roll the Pyronite damage so we can see. Rick, you look like you said something you wanted to say, too. I just want to say, this is the second or third campaign you and I've been able to play at your table, Steve, and it's, I think everybody agrees, it's an honor and privilege to yes. bring your organization, your storytelling, and your imagination to allow us friends who have played together before come together and become even closer, but open our doors and, and gather new friends to our party and get to know some really, really fantastic people through the process. So, thank you. It's been amazing. Yes. And, uh, I really, really, really appreciate all that you've done and the, the championing and pioneering you've done in this space. So thank you. Thank you. I mean, to be honest, like I'm sure every GM out there would spend their whole life going from like table to table just to find a group as awesome as you guys once. So the fact that I've been able to do it multiple times is just a gift 
into of itself. So thank you guys for being so awesome. And I'll continue to try to meet the bar that you guys are already raising super high. If that makes sense. Yeah. Speaking of what's on deck for the next six months. Well, that's an interesting question. We're still sorting out the specifics um, between now and the end of the year. We'll probably be doing some smaller projects, one shots, small arcs, potentially other systems. You know, we're looking to explore that. Like last time we ended Abomination Vaults, we went on a stretch where we played uh, Force and Destiny. We played Vampire the Masquerade. We played um, some smaller one. We did, oh, Raycast, things like that, right? Raycast, yes, yeah. So we can do smaller bite-sized stuff that'll be you know happening weekly sporadically as we kind of settle in i think internally our goal is targeting another bigger like more long-term campaign probably uh like january of next year roughly is is our kind of our, what we're hoping for so between now and the end of the year we just get to have fun not that this isn't fun but different kind of fun different kind of palate cleanser and let's just do things that we've wanted to try and just have some some silly times with it casual fun that doesn't require lots and lots and lots and lots of prep and organizing behind the screen and just not as deep right yeah not as deep as it takes to run something like this but still fun like raycast we had such a silly time last time i'd love to do stuff like that Star Wars is fun. Vampire, I still want to go back and i had my blue character sheet here for like a year yeah cypher avatar is a fun system that i've ran once or twice i'd love to run more of that like there's so much stuff that i want to do with you guys before we go, though, I do want to do a quick, like Tommy was saying. Uh, so if the bomb explodes, each bomb, by the way, does 50 D6 fire and 50 D6 bludgeoning damage. Oh, God, we've been dead, dead. 350 damage <laughs> is what it would have been. Now, all you have to make is a ref- a basic reflex saving throw. Look at those numbers, by the way. Look at those numbers, by the way. 160 bludgeoning and 191 fire that was a high roll i think uh dc 35 oh saruk okay so saruk and anita both succeeded and only took half that damage so you guys each took about <laughs> 175 damage i think uh, that's still enough to kill you max HP. Boo. dc's 33 so how almost it critically failed and took 700 damage uh but no you just took the full 350 damage if you critically succeed you're cool though you don't take any damage so no (laughs) oh there's the hero point into the critical fail that's what we like to see so yeah that's gonna do it for alkenstar we started this thing with a hope and a dream and honestly when we started this back in the day we didn't even know what the campaign was going to be we said hey alkenstar is coming out it's going to be cool. It's going to have this foundry implementation. Let's do it. We made up our little story and we hoped it was going to go well. And here we are year and a half later, told the story, even if it was a little abbreviated at the end, I wouldn't have given up this for anything. So thank you guys so much again for playing with me. And uh, we can't go away without one very, very, very important thing. Yes. Our patrons who make, this possible they, they come they give us money for what we do they love watching our show they love all the you know the maps we make and the uh resources we provide to help other gms run alkenstar because whenever we make stuff here for this like the chase map i did today i will release that on our discord on our patron for other people to use for their games so let's give a shout out to all of our patrons who make this possible the name the list is long it's over 20 names at this point one name Oh my god, someone tell me how to say it. 
Anything is better than your first Badger. All right, we're coming around to the top of the name. Thank you, thank you, patrons. A huge, huge shouts and shout outs and awesome. Uh, why is it taking so long? Come up, come on! I put, I put too many blank spaces at just, the end. Just, just one more time, okay. and patience. Big shout out: David Sims, Ace, Jason Irvin, Ellie Boyle, Alejandro Porras, Anish Herman, Sam Skaggs, Jay, Paul G, J. Michael Spencer, David Morrison, Jerome Rochetti, Philip Kuhn, John Kahi, Mike Buitch, <laughs> Vlad Scoopy, <laughs> Wizard Skills. Bear, Arive, (laughs) Badger, and John Wentworth. You guys are awesome, amazing. There are some names on there that uh, have recently, um, like even if you weren't active, they did support us between our last episode and here. I want to make sure they all got the shout out for the final episode. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Well, guys, you know what? You know what? Yeah, it wasn't Mike Bietch, but it wasn't far off. Uh, Guys, (laughs) guys, you know what though? boost there uh that's gonna do it for us this week this campaign this month this lifetime maybe not lifetime there's a chance we go back but it's gonna do it it's gonna do it for us in alkenstar goodbye alkenstar hello something else in the future big huge yeah bring back the magic big shanks big Big shanks. <laughs> big shanks. Big thanks to Nina, Richard, Ricardo, and Tommy for playing this entire thing, not just tonight, but for everything you guys have brought to the table. Uh, it's been a fun campaign playing with you guys. Um, yeah, I think we've said it all. We could talk forever about how awesome this this experience was. I've uh, there's one more thing we could say. Oh, yeah, Hi, I'm yeah. the professional dungeon master. Did you show up from that stream raid and you haven't heard this over and over again, week in and week out? tight follow that link get in the discord come play cool games with tommy okay mm-hmm. cool yeah go support tommy black dragon gaming on uh all the links are out there patreon youtube etc uh he'll runs like you said 36 hours of games a week not including this so whew. and when when you're not playing that you're playing Baldur's gate so right yeah yeah goodbye alkenstar in the end we were all okay uh, <laughs> somehow Annie are you okay barely yeah Shit, you should have said that while she was She's disarming fighting with her Fuck. lips right now normally this is when I tell you when we're going to be back but at this point I actually don't know when we're going to be back keep an eye on the channel keep an eye on our discord it's the best place to keep in contact with us until we see you again everyone please stay safe and stay healthy mm-hmm. goodbye everyone until we meet again. Oh, we need that like howdy sad cowboy music. Yeah. Like, what's the opposite of howdy for, for cowboy speak? Unhowdy. 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 Oh, you're not anymore. Y'all come back in six months when we're done on, on to the next game now. You hear? There you go. Got it. You don't know what Refi did. He was drifting. Horse noises. We need that oh sad like cowboy God. riding into the sunset music. Uh... Also, huge shout out to like uh, Mecha Maya, who's also on our list of patron supporters, but has been here watching the show tonight Maya. live in chat and everyone else that chatted with us tonight. You guys are all awesome. But Maya especially is active in chat right now. So thank you. Thank you, Maya. See you guys sometime in the future.